Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special Wednesday before Thanksgiving edition of the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. That means for us, and hopefully for you, it's Friday. Hell, for for Carrie Davis, yesterday was Friday. He's out today. He's going on a, an extended vacation. He'll be out until next Tuesday. So it's Brooke Grimsley, it's Matthew Rocchio, it's Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us at 7 o'clock time. Check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Good morning and happy Thanksgiving, Brooke Grimsley. Good morning. You probably had a lot of people with the Friday song like, wait, what wait, what? What, what, yeah, what yeah. day is this? So it's, it's for the work week. It's Friday. This morning I got up a little bit earlier and put my turkey in, in the big pan so that it's oh. brining now for the next 24 hours. And then tomorrow I don't sleep in. I'm going to get up early and put that baby on the trigger and <laughs> I will have a wonderful Thanksgiving turkey. And then I'm doing the mac and cheese and that's it. Oh, are you hosting? Uh, yes, hosting. Small group. But uh, and, and I've already and I'm going to let you guys try out the French silk pie at eight o'clock. It'll be right here in oh. the studio on the Airlines Studio Cam. You'll have an opportunity to see Brooke and Matthew try Randy's French silk pie. I'm excited about that. When you told me that this morning, I was not prepared, but I am willing to take on the challenge. Yep. Uh, Brooke, this is a very exciting day. It's a, a very exciting weekend for Cardinal fans because the Cardinals sign a legend. Gibson is one strike away from the no-hitter. He takes off his cap. He mops his brow. He looks in and gets the size. He starts to wind up. Here's the pitch, and it's a strike called! A no-hitter for Gibson! Simmons roars to the mound. Embraces Gibson, who's in golf by his teammates as the Cardinals win the game 11-0. I got chills yesterday when I heard that the Cardinals had signed Gibson. I was, I, I, I'm still so fired up, I can't believe it. Randy, Randy, uh, yeah. when you said the Gibson highlight that you were posting, I didn't know it was going to be Bob Gibson. I don't think that's who the Cardinals brought back. Oh, they didn't? No, it was Kyle Gibson. Oh. Not Bob Gibson. Never mind. Randy, I had, I had no thought. You walked in. And you said, "Hey, there's a Gibson. There's a Gibson highlight for the Cardinals' new signing in the folder. Go ahead and get, play that in the opening segment." All right, fine, sounds good. And my entire thought process the entire time is, "Okay, yeah, you put together like a strikeout montage for Kyle Gibson." No, no, you should have known. I, I you should have known he was up to something. Didn't even cross my mind. At what At what point did you think of that, Randy? Like yesterday, when when the news was announced. Unretired um, forty five. Just give it to him. Oh no! Please don't. No, no. We are happy about Kyle Gibson coming, but I don't know if we're, we want to do all that, yeah. Randy. Oh, 
by the way, Kyle Gibson, a friend of the show, he is yes. a great guy. He'll probably be our uh, Wednesdays with Kyle or whatever. He is like number two in um, in Big League Impact. He's he's a huge part of Big League Impact with mm-hmm. Adam Wainwright. And we'll mention that the Cardinals did sign officially Lance Lynn yesterday and Kyle Gibson. And Brooke, looking, looking at a global level here. These are our two good pitchers. Are they what the Cardinals need? Probably not. But are they are they good pitchers? Yes, they are. Now, there's still work to do for your St. Louis Cardinals yes. during this offseason. But as we see, even with championship teams, even with the Texas Rangers who had to have a bullpen game in the World Series, the Philadelphia Phillies had to do it, right? They had to have a bullpen game in the LCS. The Diamondbacks. You need as many pitchers and pitches as possible. Now, do the Cardinals have enough high quality here? Do they do they have an ace? Do they have somebody that you want to start game one against Zach Wheeler in a playoff series? No. Don't have that guy. But, and they're going to have to spend a little bit more money. Are they loading up on three, four, five guys? They are. They, uh, Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson are wonderful. Way better than what they had last year. Three, four, five guys. Jack Flaherty was not good last year. Wayno was not good last year. These guys are upgrades over what the Cardinals had. Now what the Cardinals need to do is upgrade over their number one guy from last year, who was Miles Michaelis. Yes, and I, I do understand all of that. So I was a little hesitant, though, when I heard the news. I think with Kyle Gibson, it's another innings eater, which I think that when people hear that, like, okay, great, but he also led the American League in hits, right? Right, yep. And so... And won 15 I, games. He, he threw enough innings. He did, yes. And that was a pretty good offense. Cardinals have a decent offense. Uh, he, he did enough to win 15 games, which is... some. It's the old, don't tell me about the labor, just show me the exactly. baby. Exactly. I like the end result. It's kind of like the yes. Dakota Hudson. Don't watch the game. Just wait for the end result. <laughs> is that what you're saying yeah. for next season? Is just game. do that. Yeah. And I do get that. I You just have four guys now that are mid to back end of the starting rotation. Totally. Right? And I just thought that the approach might be a little bit different because we're just judging things based off the moves that are being made right now. So you have that 91 loss season. You're really anxiously waiting as the fan base to see what moves the Cardinals will make. And then you get two pitchers who are 36 years old. These are very obviously short-term contracts with that age. And I can understand some of the frustration with fans where you're waiting for a big splashy move. And I know that John Mozeliak addressed that in his press conference yesterday where, you know, we don't want to be waiting around. These are guys that could possibly be gone soon. They're still going to look to address the top of the starting rotation, which is what you want to hear, because I think we would all be very scared if this is just what the starting rotation was. But say that the Cardinals, Randy, go out and get a Sunny Gray, and this is it for the starting rotation. So you have Matt's Lance Lynn, Sunny Gray, Miles Michaelis, and uh, Kyle Gibson now. Is this a starting rotation you feel comfortable with going into next season? Well, it depends on what you want to be. I, th- I think if you get Sonny Gray and your goal is to get back to 500, then yeah. Now, that shouldn't be the goal. The goal should be to go from 91 losses to 91 or 95 wins. If that would be the goal, no, I would not feel comfortable with Sonny Gray at the top of my ro- rotation. And the, the question that I would have to ask myself is, okay, who's my guy to match up with Spencer Strider when I play Atlanta? Who's, who's my guy... That can go zero for zero with Spencer Strider for six or seven innings. Who's my guy that can go zero for zero with uh, Zach Wheeler? Who's my guy that can go zero for zero with Corbin Burns? You need that guy. And the Cardinals don't have that guy right now. Even if you get Sonny Gray, 
Sonny Gray is not a guy that goes zero for zero with another team's number one. How do you win a series? You win the first game. And you need to be able to take game one. And unfortunately for the Cardinals right now, that guy's not on the horizon in the system. And Sonny Gray is not that guy. So you need to be looking in the waters of a Blake Snell or a Yamamoto or uh, one of the other quality pitchers that's available right now. And I don't think the Cardinals are going to swim in those waters. I I believe if the Cardinals get a number one, it's almost got to be via trade. But then there's also a a concerning aspect where John Mosellar mentioned yesterday they haven't looked that deep into the trade market yesterday, is what he said. Yeah, that's... I, I, what is that? I don't do you think? That. Do you do you think that he's just saying that, and maybe that they are, or where? You, what is your takeaway from when he says that? Yeah. Well, you, you had general managers' meetings. I mean, it, it's it is incumbent upon you. It's your job. It's your responsibility to talk to Chris Getz, the general manager of the White Sox, about Cease. To talk to Eric Neander, the Pobo for the Rays, about Tyler Glasnow. That's your responsibility. And. If he hasn't talked to those guys or gone in depth with those guys by Thanksgiving about getting those guys, that is baseball operations malpractice. Mm-hmm. That's just horrible. When you look at the the Braves have basically rebuilt their bullpen since the end of the season. Now they're playing with a great deal of desperation. And I'm not saying the Cardinals should have already made trades, but if you have not gone in depth and told the White Sox what you're ready to give up and ask the White Sox what they want or told the Rays what you're ready to give up or ask the White Sox what they want or, or the Rays, I mean, about uh, Glass now. If you've done that, that's malpractice and you aren't doing your job. Exactly. And, I, and I'm not saying that he's done that. He said he hasn't gone in depth. I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just saying a general manager in this situation that hasn't is committing malpractice. Well, and then you worry about with free agency, right? About spending money. We know that they don't hand out those long-term contracts. So I know that Yamamoto, I think a lot of people were hoping that, okay, you make these short-term deals. You go get Kyle Gibson and you get Lance Lynn. Maybe this opens up the window for a Yoshi Yamamoto, which is obviously the big name in this free agency. And yesterday in the press conference, Martin Kilcoyne asked John Mozeliak about reaching possibly a puke point in free agency. I mean, look, we still have to be responsible. Um, and... I feel like this is always sort of a silly question. Don't be offended. But, um, you know, there, just because there's a number that we may or may not go over, but there's also is the player's desire to be here. Um, this is a two-way street. It's not just us throwing money at something and, and hopefully we can resolve it. Um, it's It's got to be mutual. It has to be someone that feels it's a fit here. I mean, that's why... We identified these two players today because they truly wanted to be a part of the Cardinal organization. There are other players we talked to that were, you know, just looking at what the financial proxy might look like. So, I think to try to boil it down into your statement is just—it's just not fair because that's just not how it really works. And so, as the off-season continues, some more negotiations and more talks will happen. But we'll see where we end up. But. We think today is a very good first step because the biggest thing we, we needed last year was definitely some innings and, and, and depth in that rotation. All the more reason to be going deep into trade talks and not taking no for an answer. Yeah, I didn't exactly feel encouraged about their approach with going and getting one of those top tier. We're talking about top tier Blake Snell and Yoshi Yamamoto. Obviously, Aaron Nola is completely off the board. I still think with Aaron Nola, you should have probably tried to put in that offer. I know that he wants to stay in Philly, and I understand 
what John Mozalek is saying. You want players who want to be here. You want players who want to be in St. Louis, who want to play for the St. Louis Cardinals. I totally understand that. Kyle Gibson and Lance Lynn, they want to be St. Louis Cardinals. You know what else helps with people wanting to be St. Louis Cardinals is if you give them the money that they need and what they think that they deserve. And that's part of the competition of this, right? This is part of the negotiations. All the players, of course, would say, yeah, I want to go to this team and this team. That's a negotiation tactic not to show all your cards because it's a it's a two-way street. The Cardinals have to also have to be comfortable with going out and courting players who maybe, maybe don't exactly have the St. Louis Cardinals at the top of their list but show, yes, we really want you to be here. We want that aggressiveness. I think that's what people were hoping from John Mosaic right. and the Cardinals is that aggra- aggressiveness of, okay, we're going to convince you why you want to come here to St. Louis. And now with two $12 million pitchers, the Cardinals, well, Lynn at 10 with the ability to make 13 Gibson at 12. Cardinals, according to my math, have probably 12 or $13 million left to spend, and that's another reason why they need to make a trade. We are going to talk more about this at the bottom of the hour. We're going to take your mic drops. Just open up your 101 ESPN app. Leave us a mic drop about how you feel about Lynn and Kyle Gibson. Not Bob, unfortunately. I, I was wrong. Uh, but yeah, Lee. <laughs> I was not prepared for that this morning. Uh, so yeah, leave us a mic drop. Tell us what you think of uh, where the Cardinals are right now on November 22nd, 2023. Brooke, they took our president. Oh my God. <laughs> 60 years ago today, right? Randy! What a random, unbelievable, slightly left turn they, you were they, making. They took our president. Oh my. I'm just saying. 60 Randy. years ago today. And then they played the following Sunday in the NFL. <laughs> throw that. It's a sports show. Got to throw that out there. For those someone, not aware. I hope someone realizes. For those that uh, kind of like me, although I did apparently show up on school on this date. Yes. Because uh, November 22nd, 1963, the president of the United States, John Fitzgerald Kennedy, was assassinated in Dallas. And that's why I bring that up. So now you know via radio. <laughs> What? Well, Matthew's laughing about a president. Well, I, I mean, Dallas I, took our president. I'm so sorry. I'm, cra- I'm cracking it's... myself up because I said you took a slight left turn there. Oh. <laughs> oh Randy. So, uh, oh. so it's it's Wednesday. It's Ask Uncle Randy That's how Day. How the plaza's built? Get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. Yo ho. And we've got Ask Uncle Randy. You know, I, ed- I I know educational stuff now, too. You know it. <laughs> so you can ask it. It's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Got a question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 314-399-9646. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. I always do the turkey and... uh, couple of things make sure that in two cavities where the neck is and where the legs are that you remove the items in the cavity of the turkey if you're preparing the turkey for Mm -hmm. the first time if you're doing a deep fried turkey don't drop it into the fryer if it's frozen make sure that it's all thawed out completely thawed out uh you can just go to youtube and look at uh deep fried turkey mistakes or deep fried turkey kerfuffles or something like that (laughs) kerfuffles And, and you can find what happens to deep fried turkeys 
uh, frozen turkeys that are put in the deep fryer is not a good thing. Uh, I've and never had a deep fried turkey. You haven't? No. Maybe uh, between now and uh, Christmas, I'll have to bring one in. Is it juicier? Or it what's really the difference? Good. It's kind of crispy on the outside, too. Yeah, it's, it's, oh. it's not juicier than one that you make with, like, I'm brining one today. But yes. uh, they, they are delicious. I will deep fry one and I'll bring it in. Ooh. Yeah, Should I just keep saying things yeah. that I want to try yeah. and then. <laughs> and if I've done it before, I have the. I would uh, like to try a filet mignon. <laughs> okay. well, we can do that. That's that's easy. Filet. Uh, the Traeger. Yeah. We can just do the uh, do the show from my house. We'll have. <laughs> we'll, have and bowl. we'll have like steak and eggs for breakfast. Yeah. Oh wait, that counts as a breakfast <laughs> item. I see oh, what totally. you just did there, Randy. <laughs> no, You're so, trying to get me back into that. What? what? No, steak oh, and eggs okay. is a real thing. Okay, I know, but I, I a perfect breakfast. The item. breakfast, yes, the breakfast kerfuffle that I had last remember? week. Oh, remember the Brenner kerfuffle? Yeah, the Brenner. Yeah. What's considered breakfast? You lunch know what? I'm and not going to call it a, a kerfuffle. I'm going to call it a uh, a uh, an armistice, a, a sed, uh, you know. We're we're at an impasse. <laughs> it's, it's it's a Brenner impasse, yeah, if you will. Yeah. Uh, breakfast for for dinner is just. Fabulous. Thank you, Randy. Uh, Randy, let's get into the big stuff. You said it, said it is? Yeah. Oh, I, I, like I said, I dabbled in it <laughs> every once in a while. All right. Uh, what, what, do we got? <laughs> what, do we, what do we got on the old text line here? Dear Uncle Randy, for educational purposes only. Mm-hmm. Who do you think really killed JFK? Ooh. That is the first text we got for this Ooh. segment. Okay, 100% no manipulation. This is 100% okay. the first text we got for this segment. I had to do okay. it. I'm, I'm not going to go with Ted Cruz's dad. <laughs> So you don't want to be president? I know that that, uh, that thought process has been tossed out there, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to go with that one. Uh, I am going to go with the, uh, with the, the conspiracy. I, I, I like the uh, Sinatra and Castro one. And especially... Oh, I don't think I've heard that so one. So Sinatra... Uh, uh, Kennedy asked for Sinatra's endorsement with the unions, and that's essentially why he got elected. But Sinatra had close ties to the mafia, as you might guess, Sinatra. Uh, (laughs) And once he got elected, uh, Kennedy would never have Sinatra to the White House. He just kind of shut him out, even though Sinatra had basically gotten him elected. He was ticked at him for, well, until November 22nd, 1963. He was very mad uh, at him. So I'm going to go with that one. Ooh. Sorry, Frank. <laughs> I've never not, heard that one. Not, not Sinatra. Oh, okay. Kuzumato wouldn't want to hear that, but it's yeah, it's a good one. There's a fantastic book by Kitty Kelly about Frank Sinatra. Great book. It's really thick. I read the whole thing. Uh, but yeah, if uh, I think it's called My Way. Uh, and Sinatra was none too happy when she wrote it. It's But it's a really good book. Here's the thing about being a good Italian. It's hard to... Uh, watch The Godfather as many times as a good Italian has with the character in the first one that there is and not then also realize that it's supposed to be Sinatra. Uh-huh. <laughs> like that's, yeah. that's who he's yeah. supposed. Tommy's supposed to. He's supposed yeah. to be Sinatra. Uh-huh. So right. like, you can't you can't do both if you're yeah. if you're a true blue Italian. You got you got to settle with one or the other. So thanks for that text. I do appreciate it. Dear Uncle Randy, I'm afraid to deep fry, and my oven is broken. How long do I need to microwave my turkey for? Is two and a half hours okay. long enough to get a crisp skin? If you can text us back, I'm not a big fan of the idea of microwaving a turkey. Uh, depending on how big it is. Uh, today, it's very affordable to go out to the store and get a, an air fryer. Uh, you can call Hoffman Brothers. They'll fix your oven today. Uh, HoffmanBros.com. Or, uh, and this is why I want you to text back, put it on the grill. Uh, 
And uh, what you need to do, uh, uh, just don't do the microwave, okay? But uh, just uh, low temperature, 300, 325 on the the grill for hours and hours and get yourself a, a temperature, internal meat temperature reader. And to get it up to about 155 degrees on the uh, uh, on the thickest part of the breast. Hmm. There you go. Somebody hmm. said broil it. Bro- Is that good advice? Well, his oven's broke. Oh, yeah. That's an issue. Yeah. Microwaving it, I feel, I feel like, would cause a lot of problems. Yeah, not the play. Uncle Randy, I'm a huge Packers fan, so I need some advice for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Am I allowed to tailgate and drink at 1130 a.m.? Of course. Okay. Of course. Why not? I mean, it's... Well, it, it, it's a football Thursday, 11 a.m. I mean, 9 a.m., 6 a.m. <laughs> Start it's, as it's, early as possible. It's a football day. When we tailgated back in the day when the Rams were here for a noon game, we were there by 7, 8 o'clock, and there were uh, people imbibing on a regular basis. Yeah, whenever you want to tailgate, you tailgate. Well, if there's a game. But on game day, yeah, it's it's 24-7, baby. Mm. I'm actually a big supporter of just tailgating other events that aren't sporting. Oh, that's like, cool. Let's just like figure out other stuff we can yep. tailgate. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if your friend's having a garage sale, tailgate the garage sale. Why, Why not? not? There's yep. no there's no reason not to have a noon beer. Right. No, there. people tailgate at concerts. I think it's great. If you're yeah. inside of your house, you can drink at any time. Yeah. That's. I, I, think, that's a, I think that should be a hard fast rule. If you can see the building you're, you're going to sleep at, you can drink pretty much at any time. Uh. Well, yeah, that's true. That's not, that's not wrong. <laughs> that's not wrong at all. I mean, if... Uh, you might have a problem. I mean, if you're drinking Just all the time. Yeah, that might be an issue. Yeah. Uh, dear Uncle Randy, why is it that the worst cooks always want to step up and make Thanksgiving meals? My father-in-law makes the driest turkey that I've ever that I've ever had, and there's only something I can say to get out of these <laughs> eating these without hurting his feelings. I have never encountered that, and I wish I had an, an answer for you. When I was growing up, my dad did the turkey. He taught me how to do the turkey, and I think our plan works very well. I, I've always, almost always, enjoyed our turkey, but I, I don't consider myself a bad cook either, and I, I do wonder why. Have you ever, you, either of you two, encountered a bad Thanksgiving meal? You've run into yes. it? Yes. Okay. I don't know why that happens then. Uh, you know, and you don't want to be rude because it's supposed to be like a nice, happy event with mm-hmm. everybody gathering. That's a tough situation. I think you just kind of get some of the food and you do the, if it's the plastic plates or Mm -hmm. the paper plates, actually, that's a better way to do this. Then you just do the fold method when you put it in the trash can so they don't see Mm -hmm. that you didn't eat all the turkey. And you just get like a few pieces. Unless he's watching everything that you're doing, that's a little tough. Or you can do the old napkin over the plate trick. Yep. That helps. That's a good one. Here's another play. If it's predictable that the turkey is not going to be prepared well, head on over to Schnooks, get some of their sliced turkey breast, a couple of pounds, and then say, hey, I brought pre-sliced turkey for open-faced sandwiches. You put the turkey, you put mashed potatoes, you put stuffing, you put cranberry sauce, you put gravy on your open-faced turkey sandwich and just have your your Thanksgiving meal that way and let Schnooks handle it. And by the way, if you just use the Schnooks Rewards app today, cha-ching, you can have it waiting at the deli. You can have your meat waiting at the deli for you when you walk in. Just go in, uh, you, you pick it up out of a cooler, and take it to the register, and you're d- done. Bing, bang, boom. Randy has all of the hacks for today yep. to get you through mm-hmm. Thanksgiving today, and all though. your possible issues. I love that Schnooks Reward app so much. Uh, Uncle Randy, who will win the Kirkwood versus Webster Groves Thanksgiving game? All right. Uh, I, I don't want to offend any of my friends in either municipality, but it sure seems like Kirkwood is a better team this year. I know you throw all the records out the window when Kirkwood and Webster play. I've seen plenty of them. But this one seems like uh, 
uh, a good year for J-Mac and, and, the, and the Pioneers. Yeah, I agree. So. I think with Kirkwood. Well, so who won last year? Was that Kirkwood? Kirkwood, yeah. Yeah. So it's it has been hadn't, hadn't been the easiest go for the the Webster statesman. Yes. Oh, we we've got a good one. He's got a ooh. Yeah, this is a really this, okay. this is a really Let's weird hear it. one because uh, wedding invitations are always a weird one. Okay, good. Dear Uncle Randy, what's the rule on the wedding guest list? My sister said I was dead to her over something extremely petty, and now they're saying I'm wrong for not inviting her to my wedding. She also wants to invite kids, and my fiance and I are going to have a no kids policy. So how can I bring all of this up? Okay, I don't like this. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't like your approach. Number one, you only have one family, and even if uh, she is considered dead to you, let her be the bad guy. Don't. Mm-hmm. She said you're dead to her. Let her be the bad guy. Put the invitation in the mail. I also am not a fan of not allowing kids at weddings because it's a joyous family occasion, and it it's a, a, an example of the future of your family. So I can't agree with that philosophy either. Now, if it's cost prohibitive for you, that's a different thing. If you can't invite kids because you just can't afford it, that's one thing. But what are you going to do? I mean, why would you not want kids there? Now, Brooke is preparing for a wedding. So you're, because you're getting married now in in next year, 2024. Uh, What do you think here? I think that one family is very important, so I would find some way to reconcile that relationship. It sounds like there's a lot that is happening there to get to the point where you're, you're dead to somebody and that conversation comes up. I would find a way to reconcile this, and I think that it's better to, like you said, to try. Try to do that invitation, and if she wants to be the bad person and turn it down, then that's on her. Mm -hmm. But at least you can look back and say, I tried to mend this relationship. I tried to invite her, because I think that you always look back and say, well, that was a special moment. I'm glad that my family members were there. And I agree with you, the cost. I think with kids at weddings, it's always hard to determine because then you don't want a ton of kids at weddings because then things get really expensive, especially with catering. Uh That is something that I I knew was going to be expensive, but not fully prepared for how expensive that was going to be, Randy. So I can understand, like, at least knowing a full headcount and maybe not too many people going and that those specific ages, because I know some kids just pick off their parents plates. Right. And one thing about kids, they bring not that it's not an energetic endeavor anyway. But uh, kids just seem to bring energy to uh, a wedding, a nuptials uh, celebration. Yeah. I get the no kids thing. Yeah, you hate kids. That's, <laughs> I get it. I don't know why. We get I don't know why it has to be the joke. No, okay. dogs. Oh, no, no. Dogs. Our, our dogs allowed. Not with him. <laughs> <laughs> just recap. I, I love Doesn't kids. like kids. Doesn't like dogs. Doesn't like cats. Doesn't like his pop tart in the toaster. Ooh, yeah, that might be the worst. Those are one. those are some Again, big because big of the, how they botched forty. I had to wake up for and go to high school at five thirty in the morning, so I didn't have time to microwave the pop tart. Brooke, that's the problem. Mm. It's a minute. It was at five thirty in the morning. And I was seventeen, Randy. I should have oh, been sleeping. It was a big deal. Okay. <laughs> Egregious, Uncle Randy. Should I forgive? St. Louis fans who have become Chiefs fans, or should I continually educate them on Clark Hunt's involvement in the Rams' relocation? Well, if, if you want to be logical and you want to be educated, then I will educate you. Uh, Clark Hunt was on the committee. I was there throughout the entire process. Uh, so Clark was on the relocation committee that included Bob McNair, owner of the Texans, uh, 
Wellington Mara, or John Mara, the owner of the Giants. Robert Kraft, owner of the Patriots. Jerry Richardson, owner of the the Panthers at the time. And Art Rooney and Clark Hunt. You had six people on that committee. Uh, The vote for the Carson Project on January 12, 2016 was five to one. Clark Hunt was the dissenting vote. He said in the meeting, he said to me, when I asked, why would you vote for the Inglewood Project rather than the Carson Project? He said, well, we're voting on sending two teams to Los Angeles. We're a business. Is Los Angeles even going to support one team? And he was voting strictly from a business perspective, which makes all the sense in the world. And he has been proven correct. Los Angeles is not supporting those teams, not with Chargers and Rams fans. Now, the other thing that happened was that Jerry Jones, there's your villain. He steamrolled the other owners, okay? He's got a lot of money, he's got a lot of influence, and came in and cowed, he, he, he lambasted the other owners. He yelled at Michael Bidwell, he yelled at Jerry Richardson, actually got Richardson out of the league ultimately, uh, with his desire to get the Rams to Los Angeles. Jones came in and got Steve Biscotti to ask for a private vote. Owners always are going to vote for money. And for the first time in the history of the league, they overrode a committee recommendation. For the first time in the history of the league, a committee had uh, had voted for one thing, the Carson Project. History of the league, 100-year-old league. And the owners voted against the recommendation of that group. Clark Hunt was voting logically and without malice and really without emotion. He was voting from a business perspective. And you know what? If you like sports, how can you not like watching Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and that group? To me, that seems pretty kind of like cutting off your nose to spite your face. If, (laughs) If you are not watching the Chiefs because you perceive that there was an issue with Clark Hunt who actually said he wanted the Rams in St. Louis. The Rams were, for the Chiefs, the Rams were better in St. Louis. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why you would want to deprive yourself of watching one of the more entertaining players and groups of players in the history of the league. Especially for young kids. If you're looking for a team, how mm-hmm. I, there has to be so many young fans of Patrick Mahomes and even Travis Kelsey, just the energy that they have brought over the years. It's such an exciting team to watch. And Arrowhead Stadium, I haven't been there, but I've heard it's a must it's to a go to see a game. Spot, yeah. And to me, I always perceive that that this was more of an issue between the cities. I feel like there's like a a deep kind of competition between the two cities more than the whole Clark Hunt situation. Yeah. I understand frustrations, though, with being involved with the relocation with the Rams, though, because if anything, did you feel like Jerry Jones had even more to do with that? Jerry Jones had everything to do with it. He's the one that planted the seed in Kroenke's head. Yes. He's the one that uh, convinced Goodell and... uh, Eric Grubman to completely reject the St. Louis overtures. He's the one that walked into that final meeting. Actually, he he called for the agreement. Uh, He got Goodell and said, hey, let's let's get a deal here between Stan Spanos and Davis. So he's the one that forced the agreement. Jerry Jones is the villain. If there, there's multiple villains. Goodell mm-hmm. is a vil- yes. villain. He's a liar. Uh, Jerry Jones is a villain. Cronky is a villain. Uh, the guy Pagula in Buffalo is a villain. Biscotti in Baltimore is a villain. 
Clark Hunt, not so much. Those guys are all the ones that were in the camp. And the people that we should appreciate here, Michael Bidwell was staunchly behind St. Louis, one of the two votes, along with Jerry Richardson, against the uh, the move of the Rams. And obviously the late Jerry Richardson uh, is no longer with us. But uh, Michael Bidwell, despite all of the things going on in the Valley of the Sun, uh, he was totally behind St. Louis. So it was it was the Panthers and the Arizona Cardinals in that 30-2 vote that voted against the Rams moving to L.A. So there you have it. And that that thing happened like two years ago when we came to our final agreement, our $790 million. How's that money being spent in the city? Are we doing okay? Oh, now uh, we know via radio. Yeah. Nothing nothing just yet. Okay. Uh, not doing great. Okay. Uh, coming up, mic drops. And we'll hear a little bit of what Mo had to say yesterday. But we want to hear from you. What do you think of the state of the Cardinals? As Mo said, long way to go in this offseason. But on November 22nd, 2023, what are you thinking of what the Cardinals have already accomplished this offseason? That's next. You're next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Warm weather means homework for homeowners. If your homework means a new deck, turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber St. Peter's is your go-to place for a huge selection of quality bedding plants, perennials, and hanging baskets. They also carry topsoil and potting mix for your gardening needs. Come visit all Hackman Lumber showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. series ended less than a month ago and we're about three weeks into the free agency period cardinals have signed two free agents both lance lynn and kyle gibson being officially introduced as cardinals yesterday and john mozalock said yeah it's so it's something that we've done but the offseason isn't over quite yet i think that's the the thing you have to realize about baseball you play every day um so to go out and just sign one elite pitcher and then do nothing else that's not going to solve our problems. Our problems were getting deeper into games. And both these two gentlemen pitched a lot of innings last year. Um, you know, one did it on a very competitive team. One got traded to a very competitive club. And they, they both bring not only experience, but the ability to do that. And that's important. As I said, this is not the finish line. This is just a day. Um, I'm not going to predict what's going to happen over the next month or two months, but um, we know our work isn't finished. 
So there you have it. And Brooke, you brought up something during the break, and I want to touch on this. You brought up the name of Trevor Bauer. And a lot of people don't care about uh, what has happened over the last couple of years, whether it was a setup or whether uh, he came to an agreement with the woman in which nobody paid any money. He was never charged. But baseball still deals with optics. And for many people, especially, I would think, women and uh, fathers, the optics of the Trevor Bauer situation are unseemly. Yes, and I think that there's a lot more to it, too. You have the stories about him not exactly being a clubhouse guy, a cancer in the clubhouse, Mm -hmm. if you will, and maybe he's been able to mend some of those relationships. And I know that his agent has spoken about that they are talking with some Major League Baseball teams. I think that if there was a team who wanted to bring him back, then we probably would have already heard it by now. We probably would have heard some of those connections of which teams are exactly interested in him. And that doesn't seem to be even something that is in sight for any of these teams at this moment. And I guess the question from me would have to be, and I would say no, as as the father of a 25-year-old daughter, if Trevor Bauer is in your town, and by the way, the one, uh, the initial complaint that was offered in Southern California is not the only one. There are multiple other yes. uh, charges, not charges, but accusations of Trevor Bauer. Would you want your daughter or your sister dating Trevor Bauer? I, I would not. No, I would not either. I 100% agree with you on that. I think that the optics are very important, and I know that Major League Baseball and other professional sports leagues have not gotten it right a lot of times, and I know that there's people who have even gotten off lighter. I mean, with Marcelo Zuna, you look at the situation that he has dealt with in Atlanta with his own wife, and there's even actual video proof of things that he's done. I think that it's always a very tough situation, but... Getting the optics of it right, I think there's a lot more to the Trevor Bauer story. And also reporters like Jeff Jones, Derek Gould, Katie Wu have all asked John Mosaic about that. And Jeff Jones even tweeted this out here recently that he did ask about Trevor Bauer to John Mosaic and got a no. So that's all that you can report on it at and this it, moment. And by the way, if you don't care. If, if the way that a person conducts himself outside of the baseball field doesn't matter to you, I'd rather sign Urias. <laughs> right? I mean, he's, he's younger, he's better. Yeah. Wouldn't you rather? Yeah. Yeah. So if, if, if the humanity of the person doesn't matter to you at all, sign Urias. Uh, let's get a mic drop from Lisa here on 101 ESPN. Morning, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Randy, you were around with the Bushes. I have a serious question. Are the DeWitts, Mo, are they just at the end of their careers and they're just tired and done? They've brought so much winning and joy and everything. Are they done? And you said something just a second ago that's really kind of frightening that, you know, in the system, there's no pitching. Isn't that what they used to be known for? I'm so confused. Uh, yes, it is what they used to be known for, although a lot of the pitchers didn't really pan out. And by the way, during the Tony Dunk era, they were more known for resurrecting or bringing to the fore young pitchers, people like mm-hmm. Todd Wellemeyer and Kemp Bottenfield and Chris Carpenter and Kyle Osha. They, they had a million guys. Not very many young pitchers have actually succeeded with the Cardinals over the course of the last, really, 40 years, even going all the way back to Whitey Herzog. Are the DeWitts finished? I I, I don't know. I, I would suggest that they had so much so much success doing what they do between 2000 and 2020 that they still think that that's the way to go about it when it looks to me with other organizations Mr. DeWitt when he promoted John Mozeliak 
said that he asks his team every day, the, the, the baseball operations team, what is our competitive advantage? Well, you look at the Braves signing all of their young players and developing and doing a great job in the international market. Cardinals do not do a great job in the international market. Look at, Atlanta, uh, look at Houston mm-hmm. going out and saying, okay, you know what? Maybe it's not smart for us to just stop thinking that Latin players have developed at the age of 16. Maybe we should go back to Latin America and look at 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old players that are still performing over there and that are actually reaching the age that we draft at. And that's how Christian Javier and Framber Valdez and Luis Garcia wound up in a world championship rotation. They had four guys that nobody else signed because they were considered ancient by other organizations. That is a competitive advantage. When you look at the Arizona Diamondbacks this year, what do they do? They said, oh, we got new rules changes. We're going to start stealing bases. We're going to find another way to manufacture runs. The Cardinals are still living, in my opinion, in that 2015-2016 era when the game has changed so dramatically by 2023. And on the field and in development and in player procurement, they seem to me to be behind a lot of teams. So I think that's the problem. Is uh, is the adage evolve or die? Mm-hmm. I don't think the Cardinals are evolving. Well, and that's what you've also brought up is that they seem to be reactive rather than proactive. Mm-hmm. When you look at the pitching philosophy, they admitted that they have to change that. The rule changes that you saw this past season, they seem to be behind the times with that. And so now it feels like you're being very reactive instead of proactive to what those trends may be. So what do you think is their competitive advantage right now? I don't know that there is one, Brooke. I, I think, well, let me amend that. They can identify talent and get it into their system. I believe, I don't know if it was this past season, but the year before, there were more Cardinal-produced players in Major League Baseball than any other franchise. Mm -hmm. So they can identify young talent. We know that. What they have to do is do a better job of polishing that young talent and getting it to the Major League level and succeeding at the Major League level. I agree. And that's the thing, yeah. is developing that right. talent. So that if I were to pick out one competitive advantage, that would be it. All right. Uh, thank, thank you, Lisa. And we'll do more here at the top of the hour. We're going to have uh, these two taste the, the French silk pie, but oh, we're also yes. going to talk more Cardinals and, and hear more from you. But next up, we've got Take It or Leave It. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. Tioli next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. All right, kids, here we go. Uh, Bob, Night- Bob Nightingale tweeted yesterday, great point, that with San Diego's hiring of Mike Schilt, there are now four managers in the National League with very deep Cardinal ties. David Bell played for the Cardinals and was their bench coach, and now he's the manager of the Reds. Skip Schumacher was the Cardinals' bench coach, played for the Cardinals. Now he's the manager of the uh of the Marlins, and now Mike Schilt, who spent almost 20 years in the Cardinal organization, the manager of the Padres. Brooke, take it or leave it. Even leaving talent out of it, 
there is a tremendous amount of pressure on Ali Marmol because of the other managers with Cardinal ties in the National League. Oh, I'm going to take it because, by the way, and it wasn't brought up in the conversation, which everything yesterday was about bringing in Lynn and also Gibson and their approach for the rest of the offseason. But still, the elephant in the room is, is that Ali Marmol's contract is done after next mm-hmm. season, right? Mm-hmm. And so that pressure is really building up even more with the rumors of was Yachty going to return the organization, which still could be a possibility, but obviously he's not going to take over that managerial role um, or even be a bench coach for the Cardinals going into next season. I think that there's a lot of pressure on Ali Marmol, and that narrative is just going to continue of, well, should this person have been the manager of the Cardinals yep. instead of Ollie? And we... And, and it doesn't take us, but you know that we're going to do it. We're going to compare and contrast, right? <laughs> but everybody can look at the standings. You, Randy, know. But, well, I no, think it's, it's just logical, right? Yes. Okay, what did manager A, B, and C versus manager D do yesterday? And mm-hmm. where are, what are the standings today for Schilty, for Skip, for David Bell versus Ollie? That, uh, it's a natural thing to, to happen. Bob Nightingale is a national guy, and he's the one that put up on Twitter that the Cardinals have the four managers with ties. So uh, I think that it's going to be a really interesting comparison throughout the course of the 2024 season. Before I get into my take it or leave it, just a quick question bouncing off of that. The Padres, their situation is kind of messy when it comes mm-hmm. to money, and will they be getting rid of a lot of those big contracts and everything like that? Is that a situation that you would want to go in and manage in if you're all if you're not, not Ollie, but if you're Mike Schilt? Because that's also a tough position to be in. But at least he knows the organization, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think that if Mike Schilt were in a different organization and there were if he had choices, probably wouldn't go there because Preller doesn't have the best reputation. But he probably has an idea as to how to deal with Preller. Might not work. I mean, there might be philosophical differences at some point. But yeah, I think that that's a, a from a talent perspective it's a good situation for him and those those guys will play better under Mike Schultz. yes take it or leave it so there is a possibility here well I, I know that he said that they haven't taken that deep of a look into the trade market and I'm talking about John Mosellock but theoretically you could still maybe go and get a top tier mm-hmm. starting pitcher and you could still make a trade take it or leave it they can move mats to the bullpen I'll take in that. that situation yeah I will absolutely take that Now, do you want to have an $11 million relief pitcher? Probably not, especially if it's not your closer. Yeah. But they could do it. But Mets is making more than, uh, at least base, more than Lynn. Yes. That that would be my only question They did did like him, though, coming out of the bullpen. I felt like that was a big part of his resurgence last season, which helped him get back into the starting rotation. Of course, he got injured, Mm -hmm. but he looked pretty good coming out of the pen. And when I talked to him right after he suffered the injury, he, he said that just going out and letting it rip was part of the reason that when he came back into the rotation that he was good. I, I think he's another guy, hate to say this, but Zach Thompson got better when he started watching Clayton Kershaw video. Matt started getting better when he just started doing what he had done before. Yeah. You know, sometimes these guys are, are better off not necessarily adhering to the coaching that they're given and just do what you got think you there. do best. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Take it or leave it. Mike Schill will win manager of the year within three seasons. I'll take that. Oh, I'm going to take that. Yeah. He already won one. Yeah, and it's uh, San San Diego has a lot of players. They aren't going anywhere. Machado's not going anywhere. Tatis isn't going anywhere. Bogarts isn't going anywhere. What other 11? uh, Well, they've got uh, Darvish under contract. 
they'll probably move Soto, but that'll inject some youth mm-hmm. into uh, their their program in 2024. So I, I I really like the Padres the way they're set up to win. Now they're going to lose Hader too, but Mike is pretty good about figuring out a bullpen. Well, especially with turning around a group and a clubhouse culture that was in there. I mean, that was a big thing is mm-hmm. going from a team that was not doing well to the way that he was able to turn around so quickly. I'm sure that was a big reason why the Padres wanted him as yeah. their manager. And he turned around the fundamentals in a blink. It was unbelievable how quickly he turned that around. Yeah. And and he's got some good players. I mean, Fernando Tatis Jr. won the gold glove, mm-hmm. moving to right field. Bogarts is a nice defensive player. Ha Song Kim, Ha Song Kim. Ha, Song Kim. Uh, he's he's a really good defensive player. They've got a lot of uh, a lot of good assets there in San Diego. What you need, Matthew? You all right? He's looking at the different, com- a yeah, different just, computer. Yeah, we're just having an issue, one more an issue with the camera. Okay. Take it or leave it. Although Turkey is the star of the show, the sides would make Thanksgiving dinner go. I will Ooh, 100% take that. I'm going to take that. I yes. don't Speaking hate of sides. Yeah, don't hate Turkey, but Turkey is uh, it's mildly overrated. Now. Uh, Turkey that you just eat that's not on a sandwich. Okay, mm-hmm. Turkey sandwiches are spectacular. Oh, I love a good turkey sandwich. But uh, just regular turkey with gravy on it? Kind of overrated. Yeah, I feel like that's the sides kind of add to it. Do you do a little mixing, too? Oh, yeah, I'm a mixer. That's, okay, yeah. that, I feel like yeah. that's what really makes yeah. the turkey. All right, Matthew, go ahead. You want to talk about it. Go Speaking ahead. of sides, uh, we did a little draft yesterday. Uh, the voting is still up, by the way. Oh, uh, don't reveal, don't yeah. reveal it until the and next two segment. minutes left. Yeah. Follow me, uh, our Randy Carricker on Twitter, K-A-R-R-A-K-E-R. Follow me, and you can, uh, or, or follow. Did you retweet it, Brooke? I did, yes. Brooke, uh, Brooke Grimsley retweeted oh, it, so did Matthew Rocchio. Yes, I did. Oh, you, oh the, the main tweet, sorry. So, yeah, just uh, vote for <laughs> me. I missed that in part, sorry. Vote for me. I'm, I'm pandering for votes, but here's the thing. I will admit to you, so hopefully you'll, you'll vote for me, even though I'm going to tell you <laughs> I did not have a great draft. No, you you weren't pre- pretty happy about it, but no. you have mac and cheese. I feel like mac and cheese is yeah. always the crowd well, pleaser. And here's the thing. You guys don't have gravy on your potatoes or stuffing. I have gravy on my turkey. Mm. Uh, so that's a big deal for me. Cranberry sauce, very strong. I like it. I love my dessert. I think I won the dessert category, but I'm just not. Th- and, and, and I have a salad, which is very healthy. <laughs> Uh, you have a very balanced Thanksgiving, which yeah. I don't know if is but I, something that everybody's I, looking for. I just for wanted, yeah, I wanted something to put my gravy on besides turkey, <laughs> and I didn't wind up with that. So, Matthew, congratulations. You've got this thing won, don't, don't you? No, no you, there's you, still you, time. You can, you can okay. whip plenty of votes, so, especially with your just, follower count. You could easily be me. Please vote for me and retweet and say vote for Randy. Or like, Brooke. Yeah, the, or vote, Brooke, the yeah. vote counts aren't big enough that you couldn't definitely influence this with a couple phone calls. CB was uh, getting thumped here in the voting, wasn't he? Yeah, two Americas. Yeah. Yeah, two Americans. It was. And I and that's why I feel like and we can discuss this more at eight. I feel like this is rigged because what? who oh. is voting for double Hell. potatoes? Because he has two different types of potatoes. It's America. It's it's she's, the Midwest. She's we're saying, talking about. She's saying it's rigged, but she was saying that during the debates. <laughs> Here in the Midwest, what person wants a lot of different kinds of potatoes? What, what what's gonna be next? Multiple fried foods at one there meal? All right. Thank you very much for your text. Coming up. Speaking of sides and desserts, uh, we're going to have these two taste test my French silk pie, and we're going to play a few more of your mic drops about where the Cardinals are. Use the 101 ESPN app to send us a mic drop about where the Cardinals are. What do you think of the Lynn and Gibson signings? I can't believe it wasn't Bob Gibson. Oh, (laughs) man. Yeah, we'll we'll do that at the top of the next hour on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. 
Live in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. I made a couple of French silk pies yesterday, one for tomorrow and one for Brooke and Matthew. And so uh, it's not as firm as I wanted it to be, but it, it should be tasty. So if you're watching right now, on our Air Alliance team uh, studio cam via the YouTube channel. Just go to 101 ESPN STL. We're going to have Brooke and Matthew try the French silk pie, and uh, we'll I'm find out. I'm showcasing it right now. Okay. Uh, I, want you, I want you, and uh, don't be shy about grading me here on a scale of 1 to 10. And uh, just give me, a, uh, give me a grade here. You guys can both take a bite. There's a ready whip whipped cream on uh, this French silk pie. Uh, Brooke is going to try hers. I'm, I'm waiting for Rocchio so we can do it at the same time. Uh, also, right before I take a bite. camera issues, which is oh. we, I can't get my camera to show up without also showing Carrie's um That's fine. Don't bl- worry about it. We'd rather seat. see the blankness of Carrie and you. Okay. It's like okay. he's here with us. Yeah. It's like right. a spirit is here we with us. configuration for these cameras. Yeah, hold on, hold on one second. Just, you guys talk for a moment. Okay. You're going to move over to Carrie's spot. Before I take a bite, I want to ask this question to the listeners. I want to ask, would you rather have Cool Whip or... Whipped cream Wait, cool whip? on your pies. Cool whip. Cool whip. Cool whip. If you watch Family Guy, then you know why I did that. What do you like, Matthew? Uh, I'm more of a. Uh, I'm much more whipped cream. They cool whip. I have never thought about cool whip before on my pie until a friend's giving recently, and I actually kind of like it better. You ready? I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm do we have a broadcaster? Ready. Do we have a broadcaster on the other camera now? Yes, we do. Thanks, BT. <laughs> BT filling in today. We should have got him his Be Patient shirt from yesterday. Yeah. All right, give it a try here. Uh, This is Randy's French Silk Pie, scale of 1 to 10. I want honesty. I want complete honesty here. Um, Okay, it's kind of chocolatey. Oh, it's really good. Okay. Okay, good. That is amazing. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear it. It is creamy. Uh Uh-huh. It is chocolatey, but not like too rich chocolate. You know what I mean? Sometimes where it's a little heavy, where you're like, I can't finish this piece. Uh Uh-huh. It's perfect. Good. It's supposed to be light, light and fluffy. Were that's, you nervous? I was. And that's yeah. a perfect really? topper. Oh, glad you, you like finish it. a Thanksgiving meal. Yep. You oh, put wow. that right on top, and then you take a nice little nap. Look at the desserts here. Oh uh, CD had sweet potato pie. Oh, that's good. Uh, I had French silk. Uh, Matthew had pumpkin pie. And Brooke, of course, being from the South, had pecan pie. Pecan pie. Pecan pie. Pecan pie. That's my favorite, especially when you add chocolate into it. Yep. Wait, wait. That's really uh, good. America Have you done that? How are you adding you. chocolate to yep. it? Uh, chocolate chips? Are you drizzling chocolate on top? Mm, like You've never had... Pecan pie with chocolate in it. I'm not a big fan of, nu- oh, of, awesome. of nuts. Mm-hmm. I don't like most nuts, so oh, I so, so I good. so I've had a piece of pecan pie before because I was going to try it, but it didn't You've have chocolate only, in it. What? Well, I don't like nuts, so I didn't really like it that much. But it didn't have mm. chocolate in it. I'd, I'd try a second piece of pecan pie if it had chocolate in it. But I'm asking, are you putting in chocolate chips? Are you sprinkling chocolate on top? I think they just put What's the, the chocolate system? in there. I'm not sure. Okay. I haven't made it before, but I just have had it before. All right. And it was delicious. I'm gonna Google. Uh, uh, Google. We need you to declare that uh, pecan pie is great. We, we just America needs this. Let oh. me, <laughs> pecan pie is great. Let me tell you, around this time of year, as you gather around the table, I do sure love a pecan pie. I do declare <laughs> that it is delicious. And Randy, thank you so much for delivering this silk pie for us today. You are very welcome. You're very welcome. Bless right. your heart. Uh, Michael has joined us with a mic drop here. Oh, did you did you want to uh, did you want to play the, the the Gibson highlight that we had? You you, you were excited about that. Oh, the you, Kyle Gibson highlight, yeah, right? We, we, yeah, I think uh, I, I, the Cardinals signed Gibson yesterday, and Randy immediately goes, "Oh man, he's had some legendary moments." And Gibson is one strike away 
from the no-hitter. He takes off his cap. He mops his brow. He looks in and gets the side. He starts to wind up. Here's the pitch, and it's a strike called! A no-hitter for Gibson! Simmons roars to the mound, embraces Gibson, who's in Joe Fire's teammates, as the Cardinals win the game 11 to nothing. So I was so excited, and I, I had this highlight ready, and then uh, Brooke and Matthew have to point out to me that no, it's not it's that It's not Gibson. that one. No. No. Dang it. If only, right? That would be amazing to have at this moment for oh, the Cardinals yeah. rotation well, that, moving forward. That's a number one. <laughs> that's a that's number one. Ace. Yes, that is a guy uh, that definitely will leave it all out there. Yeah. I miss Bob. I do too. He was yeah. He was a great guy. Uh, all right, uh, Michael checks in with a mic drop on 101 ESPN. If I hear somebody in a negotiation talking about it's got to be a good fit, it's got to be a good fit, well, if they're trying to sell me something, that means that they're the high price and they know they're not going to be able to be the lower, the lower price. On their end of it, saying it's got to be a good fit, it's got to be somebody that's got to want to be there in St. Louis, that tells me is we got to find somebody who will take a little less to be here because we're not going to pay top dollar. Not wrong. Ooh. That's right. That's 100% that, right. Yeah, I think that that's a very good way to decipher. We always talk about John Mozeliak and the hieroglyphics and really seeing what he is trying to say. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is a very good way of deciphering that message. Because the point that I was making earlier, I completely understand. Of course you want guys who want to be here and be a St. Louis Cardinal and, the, and develop into the Cardinals way. I totally get that. And I understand what Mozeliak is saying. But at the same time... Don't you, you should be convincing people and selling them on why they should come to well, St. Louis. And money sometimes helps with that, but also showing that aggressiveness of we want you here because we think that it will provide X, Y, and Z and will get us to this point, to the playoffs, to any of that stuff. That's something that will really get any player excited who is extremely competitive. Brooke, you look now, though. I asked Mark McGuire how much it means to him to be in the Cardinal Hall of Fame. He said, it's everything. It's everything. Being a Cardinal and being in the Cardinal Hall of Fame is everything to me. Mm-hmm. Jim Evans stays in town, right? And he's a great player, borderline Hall of Fame player, and stayed here for less money because he wanted to be here because the Cardinals gave him a chance to win. Loves the Cardinals. Chris Carpenter comes back for everything. Loves the Cardinals. You've got Izzy here in town. Still works for the Cardinals. Loves the Cardinals. You, you spend time in that clubhouse. What player now with Adam Wainwright gone do you think loves being a St. Louis Cardinal and would stay here for less? I think that there's probably a price for everybody, but somebody who loves being a St. Louis Cardinal, I think Tommy Edmond fits that category. Mm -hmm. I think that he really enjoys being a St. Louis Cardinal. I think that Lars Newbar likes being a St. Louis Cardinal. I think that Wilson Gutierrez was very excited about being a St. Louis Cardinal because he really enjoyed and looked up to Yadier Molina. Was. Yeah, I, I'm, I don't know if that has changed. But here, let's with Lars, who's from L.A. Yeah, four years. He's a free agent, and the mm-hmm. Dodgers and Cardinals both offer a hundred million over four years. Yeah, is he going to stay here? Or is he going to go there? Where they're winning? where he's from there. And that's the thing is that I think that there's a price for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. But you look at what the Phillies are doing. Those guys took less money. Yep. Aaron Nola took less money. Yep. If you even look at the guys, the moves that they did prior to that, they took less money to stay in Philly. So maybe there is more attractive places that they could have gone to where you want to go to the West Coast. Everybody wants to go to the West Coast, right? If I hear that one more time, I get that. I, I would love to be Especially near a guys beach from too. There. But, uh, G- but uh, yes. Jimmy Edmonds <laughs> and McGuire both decided to forego the 
chance to yeah. get into the market to go to the West Coast so that they could be Cardinals. I don't exactly. I, I don't see a lot of that now. I don't. I don't see. Adam Wainwright always said, "I, I." The letter he wrote on the Players Tribune. I loved being a St. Louis Cardinal. I don't think that the hometown discount exists anymore. And I think Michael's exactly right. Exactly. Let's, let's get one more from John here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. When I first heard the news yesterday about Kyle Gibson, I wasn't thrilled. In fact, I was pretty aggravated. But when I stopped to think about it, you know, between Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson, they won 28 games last year. If the Cardinals get Michaelis and Mats to win 28 games and find a top-of-the-rotation pitcher that wins 15, they're 71 wins. And isn't that our goal? Oh, it wasn't so good in 2023, was it? No. Uh, I love that. That is so good. I, I think it is important to note that these are not pitchers that don't give you a chance. Yes. Now, do they mm-hmm. need? Does Lynn need to allow fewer than 44 home runs? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, does they've got three of the top five pitchers in terms of hits allowed mm-hmm. in their rotation in Major League Baseball last year? So they probably need to be better that way. But the Cardinal defense needs to be better, too. If you have Mason win at short, I think it should be Edmund at second. And maybe, you have, I don't know who you have in center field at the moment, but if you have that, those pitchers that gave up that much, Lynn pitched for one of the worst defensive teams in baseball. Michaelis pitched for a team that gave, he gave up a lot of hits that would not have been hits when DeYoung, who had lost a step, and either Gorman or Donovan was playing second base. If they tighten up the defense, I think those hits go, the, the ground ball hits drop precipitously. It's going to be a very busy season for yeah. the Cardinals' defense, to say the least. And even with Kyle Gibson, you know, when when you look at the, what was he? He led the American League, right, and mm-hmm. hits allowed. I mean, that was over 192 innings. So that kind of comes with the territory of being able to pitch in that many innings. So I, I totally get that. I was just surprised, and I totally get what this person was saying that called in, is that I was, you know, I was fine with getting a Lance Lynn or a Kyle Gibson. I wasn't expecting both of them. Now, does this completely take them out of the conversation of getting two more starting pitchers? I think it does, right? Yes. Unless you move Matt to the bullpen. And that's why I asked that earlier in the take it or leave it. Is that a possibility that's on the horizon? Because right now, I think if you're looking at the money and what Mosellock is saying, it's just going to be getting one more starting pitcher with this rotation. I can understand some of the concerns with that when it seems like you have a lot of guys who fit that category of being more in the back end of the rotation. And that's what they're being paid. Back end of the rotation guys now get $10, 12000000 million, like these two are getting. And a guy that hasn't reached free agency yet, a glass now, who gets $25 mm-hmm. million next year, a Dylan Cease, one of those guys that you trade for, that would be more palatable financially, I would think, for the Cardinals. I think a trade probably for a number one is more likely than a free agent number one like a Yamamoto or a Snell. No Yamamoto? I don't think so. Nama, Yamamono? <laughs> Just on that really quick, because we just got a text. The Lynn and Gibson signings make sense if they get a bona fide number one. Yeah. So right now, right. if it's not if it's not Yamamoto or, or somebody on the free agency, who is who is, is Glass now a bona fide number one? Is that does that fit that or is that he doesn't take the ball as much? I, Cease would be my guy, but you have yeah. to have people to fix him. By the way, I've I've that's talked not, a lot about how the Cardinals even during the season. I said they need three starters. That's what they got in. 2000. Well, Pat Hengen and Andy Bennis were kind of not to this level, but they were kind of what 
Lynn and Kyle Gibson are now, but then the Cardinals got Daryl Kyle in a trade. And that was the key because Kyle was a legit number one. And that's the direction they need to go. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, Eli Drinkwitz and his Mizzou Tigers take on Arkansas, trying to get to their 10th win on Friday afternoon. Are Drink and his staff kind of taking a page out of the Gary Pinkle playbook? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Arkansas, 3 o'clock on CBS, that's Channel 4 here in St. Louis, on Friday, on Black Friday. And it's interesting when you look, Brooke, at what the Tigers are accomplishing here. And they don't have a highly recreated, uh, regarded publicly for ESPN and rivals, stuff like that. They don't have a really highly regarded recruiting class, and they haven't had highly regarded recruiting classes. However, when you look at the history of Mizzou, uh, they've got some pretty good things going. And you look at the history. From 2004 to 2014, Gary Pinkle's recruiting classes at Mizzou ranked 31st in the nation, including a 35th ranked class after their 12-2 and season and SEC East Championship that ranked them 12th in the SEC. Of those key 2013-2014 teams, you had three-star E.J. Gaines, had a long career in the NFL as a cornerback, running back Henry Josie, who was terrific and all-SEC performer, two-star players, SEC Defensive Player of the Year Michael Sam, wound up getting drafted in the NFL. LaDamian Washington, Justin Britt. The class of 2005 had one four-star, but included three-star performers, Chase Daniel, future NFL first-rounder, Ziggy Hood, and Chase Kaufman. Other notable three-stars, William Moore, who, oh, by the way, was a wide receiver when he arrived on the campus at Mizzou, Will Franklin, Dominique Hamilton, and notable notable Pinkle-era two-stars, Stryker Sulak, Denario Alexander, who wound up leading the nation in receiving yards. Sean Weatherspoon, who was, was he a second-round pick of the Falcons? Uh, First-rounder. First-rounder. Had a, had a really good career in the NFL. Andrew Gatchkar. And you look at the players that Eli Drinkwitz has brought in. Chris Abrams-Drain, one of the best cornerbacks in the country, a three-star performer. Enos Rakestraw, another great corner, a three-star performer. Connor Tolleson, Mackay Miller. Uh, they've got really good players. And obviously, Brady Cook, a, a three-star mm-hmm. I don't know that uh, Cody Schrader had stars, as no. right? But these players are being coached up at the University of Missouri and turned into really good players, which is the essence of coaching. You can get all those five stars like Jimbo Fisher did, mm-hmm. but you can have a lot more success when you coach two and three stars well. Yeah. I mean, Brady Cook specifically, I remember covering him when he was at Chaminade, obviously very talented with everything that he did. But the big concern was that he was going to be too reliant on his legs. He's a very mobile quarterback, which he still is. The concern was, would he be able to do that at the next level? His development over the years, I have to give credit to Eli Drinkwitz and Mizzou for what they've been able to do, because I don't think that I was even expecting this much of a change and turnaround from Brady Cook going into this season. If you remember, it was supposed to be possibly they were going to go with two quarterbacks Mm -hmm. to begin this season. I know that was a big kerfuffle that we talked about a lot. And then Brady Cook really emerged as everything that you wanted for your starting quarterback and has led them to this point. From going a three-star to what he's been able to do, he was co-offensive player of the week in the SEC this past week. I mean, that's a pretty big deal that they were able to really develop him in that way. And 
we don't talk about enough that he got hurt last year in the K-State yes. game. His shoulder was so bad that he had postseason surgery. And he played essentially three-quarters of the season with a, a shoulder that just didn't work mm-hmm. and actually turned into representative performance. Now he can really spin it with a healthy shoulder, man. He, yes. he can throw it. and. He's probably a top 10, top 15 quarterback in the whole country, I would think. He's got to be right in that in that group. He's not Jaden Daniels, and he's not Knicks, and he's not Penix, but he's really, really good. And that's a credit to Drink and the coaching staff. And and we, we've talked a lot here, you know, right before the Georgia game and through the Tennessee game and the Florida game, we've kind of had this thread of talking about the sustainability factor and can, can Drink build Mizzou to, to their biggest height, which is, you know, you have to get to where you were at with Pinkle first. If you want to get mm-hmm. to the next level, you got to get to where you were at there. So coaching guys up, and then and you factor in the fact that so far Drink has a better start off in the St. Louis area than Pinkle did early in his career. So if you start that base with the recruiting, especially in the St. Louis area, and you continually build from there, it's not just going to be are you coaching up two and three stars. It's going to be how are you putting together four and five stars, and that's when that's when things change on campus. And the recruiting in the St. Louis area could not have been worse than it was under Barry Odom. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yes, and the fact that he was able to churn that around so quickly, mm-hmm. that is huge to me, Eli Drinkwitz, with what he's been able to do. And that was the question is, okay, so you're able to go get some of these recruits, some of these lower level, even maybe some big ones, with some splashy recruits as well, and prospects, then can you develop them into what they are now? And he's been able to answer that with the results this season, and will he be able to continue to do that? I think so. But now he's in the position, I think that quote that we had from him what was that like last week Mm -hmm. where he talked about now they can be picky and selective with the guys that they bring in I mean this is a great body of work to be able to show players and say hey look I will give you an opportunity a chance Cody Schrader is a great story even the way that Eli Drinkwitz has utilized the transfer portal bringing Mm -hmm. in Theo Weiss who has been a huge factor for Mizzou this season I think that he has a great body of work to really build off of and even get bigger recruits and one of the reasons that we really can't take full stock in recruiting rankings anymore is because of what you just said Who's Mizzou's best defensive player? It's Tyron Hopper out of, <laughs> out of the transfer portal, right? They, it, there is so much that happens in the transfer portal. The recruiting rankings don't need, mean nearly as much as they did even five years ago. No, they really don't. Sometimes I wonder if, if the recruiting rankings even matter that much because there's so many guys where maybe they are a very highly touted young star in high school, but that also doesn't measure if they're going to be able to handle that leap and the pressure that goes from being a star in high school to all of a sudden you're playing in the SEC or in college football, and there's a huge leap with that, and will they be able to mentally handle that challenge? And it's interesting that you bring that up because anybody can coach up a Mm five-star. Not to say that Saban isn't great. He does. He is. But one of the things the the late, great John Cadillac would tell me on a regular basis with the Pinkle program, and it was indeed a program, he said, nobody in America recruits to their scheme better than Missouri does. Mm. They find players that fit. Rather than trying to mold players, go get a five-star and mold them into your system, they went and got players that fit into what they were doing. And that was a huge reason for their success. I agree. Uh, that is Brooke. That is Matthew. We've got a Hall of Fame battle coming up here. Oh. Yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, I wonder, this is, this I, is big. Yeah, what's his name? You don't Kyle? know his name. Kyle. Randy, you know Kyle, his Kyle, name. Kyle, Kyle yeah. Gibson. <laughs> no, I'm, I just wonder if he has <laughs> French silk pie. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the fight is coming your way next on 101 ESPN. Oh, no. You're back.
to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. Brooke Grimsley here alongside Matthew Rocchio. No Kerry Davis today. He will be returning next week, but this is probably a moment that I know that he is listening to. I'm sure he'll text me here in a minute. He's listening to right now because this is a very big moment, right, Rock? Because Kyle oh, yeah, here we go. is joining us. Kyle, how are you feeling today? You have been on a roll against Randy this week. Yeah, I'm feeling good. Hopefully the luck keeps going. All right. Well rested. Have you had some uh, food, some coffee this morning? Ready to take on yeah. Randy in the fight? Yeah, got my workout in, ready to go. All right. We'll go ahead and get started here. This is a big moment. Rock, are you nervous? I'm n- No, I was more nervous. I was, trying, I was trying to get the camera configuration figured out again. <laughs> so that we, it shows actually us instead of you and BT, who apparently is our guest host. No, I'm not nervous. It's, you know, it's, if, if Kyle is the second Hall of Famer since 2022, then good for Kyle. Mm-hmm. And I'll take, I'll take my lumps where they may. There you go. I still think the Dallas Texans thing. Oh, no. Anyhow, let's get get, get into these questions. (laughs) Which active pitcher holds the MLB postseason record for strikeouts with 244? Is that Clayton Kershaw, Justin Verlander, or Max Scherzer? Uh, uh, I was thinking before the options, I was going to go Verlander, so I'll go with Verlander. Who is the only defensive Hall of Famer to play for five different teams? Is it Rod Woodson? Deion Sanders or Richard Dent? Five different teams. I'm going to go with uh, the last option, Dent. On this day in 2013, the Cardinals traded David Freeze and who else to the Angels for Randall Gritchick and Peter Borges? Was that Fernando Salas, Seth Manis, or Edward Mujica? Um, what was the first option? Fernando Salas, Seth Manis, or Edward Mujica? Uh, let's go Mujica. Final question. The Lions are the only team in NFL history to retire a number for three different players. Which number is it? Is it 81, 3, or 20? Uh... Uh, either 81 or 20, I'm going to guess. So let's go 81. All right, we'll All double right. check we our We'll double scores. check our score and we will bring in Randy Carricker. Kyle, how are you feeling today about this one? Um, A little bit better about a couple of them, but then the other two were not so uh, complete guesses. So. All right, Randy is now in studio. Randy, how are you feeling taking on Kyle again? I'm feeling good, man. I had my, uh, my friend Silk Pie. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Nervous at all? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll go ahead and get started with the fight. Which active pitcher holds the MLB postseason record for strikeouts with 244? Active pitcher with uh, postseason strikeouts. The guy that's probably pitched the most. You know what? Um... 
this is a coin flip, actually. Um, I think I'm going to go with uh, Verlander over Kershaw. I'm, I'll, I'll go with Justin Verlander. Who is the only defensive Hall of Famer to play for five different teams? NFL. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, <laughs> that is it. It could have been. It could, yeah. have, been, it could have been NHL because everybody else plays both ways. Let's see. So. Uh, Not a gotcha question. No. No. Uh, Dion was Atlanta, San Francisco, Dallas, Washington, Baltimore. So you've got Dion Sanders, and he's in the Hall of Fame. So uh, I can I can start with that. He's. Started with the Falcons, went to the Niners, went to the Cowboys, went to Washington, and then went to the Ravens. So I would go with Deion Sanders off the top of my head. Randy, on this day in 2013, the Cardinals traded David Freeze and who else to the Angels for Randall Gritchick and Peter Borges? Uh, Fernando Salas. 24 saves in 2011. Final question. The Lions are the only team in NFL history to retire a number for three different players. Which number is it? Hmm. Uh, I, I'm going to go with 20 because I'm going to say that Sims and Sanders, and I don't even know who the, maybe Lem Barney uh, were number 20. I will go with uh, number 20 for the Detroit Lions. A Hall of Fame spot is on the line. And ladies and gentlemen, somebody hit the jack today. So the question is here. Does Kyle walk into the Hall of Fame with not a gold jacket, but I dare say a gold cape if he wins a Hall of Fame on a freaking jack? I dare say it would be a gold cape. Or does Megamind come back at the end of the week, right before a holiday? We're not going to see each other for four days. And does he snag victory from the jaws of defeat? Ring that bell. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Does it feel good to do that again, Randy? Earth, Wind, and Fire? Of which? Oh, either one, honestly. Oh, uh, any of them. I know I got oh. one. I oh, <laughs> I, I know what you. Okay, I know what you're asking for. Okay, it's too hot. Yeah, that one's good. Thank you, Randy. All right, Kyle. I'm oh, sorry. Hold on. Oh, there it is. There I'm sorry, Kyle. You were so close, but unfortunately, Randy Carricker came to play today. He was not intent on allowing another Hall of Famer in today, and he beat you four to one in the fight. Yep, I understand. I had a good time, guys. Yeah, Thank you so much for joining, fight, Kyle. Kyle. Let's, let's go through those fight questions. You know the answers if you were listening to Randy's. Which active pitcher holds the MLB postseason record for strikeouts with 244? It was, in fact, Justin Verlander who added on to it this past postseason. Who is the only defensive Hall of Famer? By the way, uh, Kershaw is... Um, Second, he moved into second place um, in the 2022 postseason, and then eventually Verlander passed him. Who was the only defensive Hall of Famer to play for five different teams? You got it 100% correct, Deion Sanders. That that little Those little Washington and Baltimore tags at the end that people sometimes like to forget about. And by the way, Dent had five stints 
but he returned to the Bears for one of them. Mm, played for okay. four different teams. On this day in 2013, the Cardinals traded David Freeze and Fernando Salas for Randall Gritchick and Peter Borges. That was a great trade. Uh-huh. And the Lions are the only team in NFL history to retire a number for three different players. And Randy, you hit the jack on that one exactly. It is, in fact, Lem Barney, the first player who wore number 20. They unretired it. They then let uh, Billy Sims run around with it. He then had his... Uh, career cut a little bit too short they retired it and then as soon as they got number 20 from oklahoma state they were like yeah yeah we're gonna have to pull that one back and for good reason because he would go on to earn a third retirement for the number 20 so a 4-1 win for victory today thank you kyle so much for joining the fight and joining the show this week thanks thank you kyle uh by the way you had the whole week i don't know if there are billy sims highlights on youtube billy sims was an absolute stud one of the legendary stories by the way is Mm -hmm. that uh, one time, Oklahoma was killing Mizzou at halftime, and Barry Switzer gets on the phone. No cell phones here, so he just goes to a pay phone outside the locker room uh, and calls Billy Sims at his home in Texas and says, Hey, you watching the game? Billy said, Yeah. He said, You coming to Oklahoma? Billy Sims, Sims said, Yeah, because it was just so fun to play for <laughs> Oklahoma. Billy Sims, uh, by the way, born in St. Louis, mm-hmm. he was an absolute stud. He had seasons. Uh, of 1,300 yards and 13 touchdowns as a rookie. His second year, 1,437 and 13 touchdowns. Then he got hurt and he was never the same. But, man, was he electric when he was good. And they've, they've been fortunate with really good running backs, not very fortunate with winning mm. in uh, in Detroit. They're, they're doing it this year, though. They are. Brooke, one playoff victory since 1957. That the whole that franchise. doesn't even seem real. Isn't that crazy? Honestly, it really doesn't even seem real. No. So I am so rooting for Lions fans because we went through it with the football Cardinals here, and it, it is miserable to not win playoff games. So I'm, I'm rooting for the Lions, for their fans as much as anything else. Coming up on 101 ESPN, the uh, ESPN.com has seven NFL coaches and two coordinators on the hot seat. Who's already gone and who has a chance to stick around? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. ESPN.com has an interesting piece up about coaches on the hot seat, and one of them, uh, right after this piece dropped yesterday at ESPN.com, got fired. Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator of the Steelers, if Kerry was here, he would be smiling because... Oh, he was excited yesterday. Yeah, he really was. He really was. Uh, So, yeah, he... he, uh, Well, he he got whacked. He he took the big haircut. Uh, It happens. It happens. So... He is out, and Brooke, one guy not on the list that you wanted to touch on is Robert Sala, who's doing some weird things in New York with the Jets. The whole Robert Sala saga and everything that's going on with the Jets right now, um, that's pretty peculiar, because if you haven't seen the news, Zach Wilson is not going to be the starting quarterback moving forward, and not only that, he wasn't just benched, he also is going to be their third-string quarterback, Mm -hmm. so that is Sala basically saying... Yeah, we're not going to use him whatsoever. What does that mean for the Jets and everything that's going on? Is that just saying, okay, you gave me Zach Wilson. This is this is what I was given. I am showing you I don't want anything to do with him moving forward. That's the feeling that I get when I watch that situation. And 
he was supposed to be the backup anyway, but at least for a healthy Aaron Rodgers, we were never supposed to see Zach Wilson. But even before he came back this year, he's one of the few quarterbacks that I thought, man, he just can't play. And normally I'm willing to give a quarterback the benefit of the doubt because I don't think that quarterbacks are given enough time to get developed these days. But... In this particular situation, I don't think he deserves to have a chance to play. No. And to be demoted to third-string quarterback, I think, sends a very strong message. Now, one where I don't think that Salah's job is on the line necessarily, but I feel like it's going to really make temperatures rise there with the Jets moving forward. And you mentioned this. Aaron Rodgers, as we know, he always talks with McAfee and his show. He's a regular guest on mm-hmm. there. Mentioned that he could possibly return even this season. Right. He's, he's planning on practicing in two weeks. There's no way, right? Is that even a smart... Say that that is possible. Is that even a smart move for him and the Jets to make? No, it's not. It's a desperation move. It's Rodgers wanting to show them that he's committed to the franchise. It's the franchise. They're going to make the playoffs, but saying to their fans, yeah, we think we can. But at the end of the day, no, it's a dangerous move. Quarterbacks don't come back from these injuries anyway. Dan Marino was never the same after his, and I just can't imagine that they would bring him back so soon after the Achilles. No. And if I was him, I wouldn't even want to, just risking even more injury where you know for a fact that you'll be completely done. Yeah. All right. Some of the other coaches that are on the hot seat, Brandon Staley, he has way too much talent in L.A. with the Chargers to be able to maintain that job. I'm kind of surprised that they haven't made a move, but Brooke, when you look at the staff... He has not surrounded himself with people that can replace him. That's one of the problems they have. He he doesn't make good in-game moves, and the staff isn't that good. And that team, one of the hallmarks of good head coaches is that, is that they win close games. And since Staley became the head coach of the Chargers, they've lost more three-point games than any other team in the league. Yeah, I mean, isn't he supposed to be this defensive guru, right? And it seems like that is a very tense topic because I know that CD mentioned this the other day. Did you see that where he was having the conversation with reporters and when that was brought up about him and the defensive play calling, he got very testy about that and saying he's going to continue to do that moving forward. I feel like Justin Herbert has really been the only thing that has helped him keep his job up Mm -hmm. until this point, but there has to be some changes made there because you mentioned the personnel. I think Justin Herbert is a good quarterback. He needs a better system. I think Ron Rivera is a good coach, and you couldn't have been put into a worse situation than he was with Daniel Snyder as his owner in Washington. But I get it's a new owner and wants to get rid of everything associated with Dan Snyder. So Rivera, even though he's a good coach and just needs better players, I would think he's probably out in Washington because Josh Harris wants somebody new. Yeah, I can see that. And who would be the right fit, you think, for the commanders? Uh, That's a great question. My first choice for every single job where there's uh, that we're going to talk about, my first choice would be Harbaugh for all of them. So you think that that really will happen, that he's going to go to the NFL after this? Yeah, I think he is. I can see that, just running away from this situation. Even how he really didn't put up much of a fight with the investigation, Mm -hmm. I really felt like that was him saying, okay, well, I know I'm going to get away from this. Especially after he was saying, I can't wait to get my day in court. I want to talk in court. (laughs) And then to just cave (laughs) completely. Yeah. Uh, I I mean, I really do think the enemy's doing an incredible job with the offense of the commanders, despite the the offensive line and You know, good, good skill position players, but I really think he's scheming that offense like crazy with a quarterback while talented who holds onto the ball so long while having a bad offensive line. He was getting head coach interviews 
is Bienemy kind of the favorite if, he, if, he if they fire him? He might be the guy because he's obviously had an opportunity to build relationships there. Mm-hmm. Matt Eberflus should be gone. He's been abysmal. And there's another place. Harbaugh started his career in Chicago. He's a Ditka guy. They yes. adore Ditka. Uh, he has coached a quarterback with a skill set similar to Justin Fields and Colin Kaepernick. Or they could just go get J.J. McCarthy because they're going to have two of the top three or four picks. Uh, there's no way Eberflus can last in Chicago. No, there absolutely no way. And I agree with you. I think that that is the perfect situation. I can see Harbaugh going that to that mm-hmm. route when he's going to the NFL for sure. With Justin Fields, there's definitely a question of if he can be an NFL quarterback, if he can be a franchise NFL quarterback, if this doesn't work out and they do do this job change, then you have your answer there. If he's still not able to be successful, Mm -hmm. but you have to figure out something with him, I feel like. Do you feel like he can potentially be a NFL starting quarterback? I I think he could, but the problem the Bears have is if you have the number one pick and you can have your pick of uh, Caleb Williams or Penix or... uh, uh, Bo Nix, uh, all of those guys that are going to be there this year, you have to use that number one on a guy that, especially if you have a new coach, you have to use that number one on a, on a new quarterback. You, you just can't hope that Justin Fields turns into what you hope he turns into. Yeah, another situation yep. like that. Uh, is Frank Reich one and done in Carolina? They suggest that he is in uh, at ESPN.com. That's tough. I I can see it. If possibly. they only win two games, if they go yeah. two and fourteen with a very impatient with, owner and David Tepper, yes, I, and I with Bryce Young, what a, right. what do you do? You feel like Bryce Young that there's more potentially there. When we're talking about young yeah. quarterbacks giving a chance, it feels like they haven't been able to maximize that with him. It's the classic situation of a team not fixing the offensive line. It, yes. they, they all go out and spend the number one overall pick on a quarterback and then don't give him any help. Who's Who's the running back in Carolina? I mean, who are, who's he throwing to? Exactly. Who's, who's who are the pieces? Right. Yes. Yeah, you got Bryce Young and then uh-huh. a cast of thousands. The running back there is the guy with the most aggravating name in the NFL. Who's that? Uh, Chuba Hubbard. Oh, yeah. Chuba, whose name Chuba. should be Chuba Hubbard. Yeah, Chuba Hubba. <laughs> uh, Mike Vrabel in Tennessee. Brooke, your, uh, your team, is Vrabel on the hot seat or should he be? Um, well, here's the thing. Things have not been going well in Tennessee. It's hard to understand because what were they even going into with the season? Was this a rebuilding season? Was this a retooling season? I don't even think that the Titans knew what they were fully getting into. Derrick Henry is going to be gone, mm-hmm. obviously, and you know by what? the he end of the be. season. He's and done. He is. He is done. And it's very frustrating to see it play out in that way. And the whole quarterback situation, I still do believe that Will Levis has a lot of potential. I think if there's one thing that Titans fans should be excited about and I'm excited about is the future of Will Levis. I do think that offensively, and maybe this isn't a Mike Vrabel losing his job thing, but having somebody who's a better offensive play caller. They There's times where it felt like they just wanted Levis to fit into Ryan Tannehill and what worked with him and not necessarily what Le- Will Levis's capabilities were. So I would just like to see some more creativity. I don't know if Vrabel can exactly give that. I honestly can see him moving on to the Patriots. That has I been That has been the big talk in Tennessee is, is Vrabel going to go to the Patriots, which I can really see that happening. Yeah, and then get an offensive-minded coach. It's harder to find offensive minds yes. than defensive minds. Get somebody who can nurture Will Levis and help mm-hmm. him turn into the guy that you want him to be. I think he looks good. I think that he's very poised. The mm-hmm. offensive line has been a 
big issue for the Titans, and the Titans aren't alone. That seems to be something that every single NFL team would love to have. But I feel like if you get a good O-line, maybe some more creative play calling, that Will Levis could really shine. Teams can really do a good thing by watching what Philadelphia has done in terms of building an offensive line, and that's how you build an offense. And then one other hot seat name is another coordinator. We talked about Robert Sala at the beginning of this conversation. Nathaniel Hackett, his offensive coordinator. I think that they would... They would have to have Aaron Rodgers in a straight jacket if they would get rid of Nathaniel Hackett. In New York. I just I can't see it happening. I can't either. No, no, this offense and what they were supposed to do was obviously built for Aaron Rodgers, not for Zach Wilson. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's no way that he would lose his job because of that. I don't even think Agreed. that Salah would lose his job. I think that this is the situation that they're just in right now. But still, I mean, making Zach Wilson your third string quarterback, that sends a very strong message of how yep. much you don't want him. Yeah. Uh, who does he turn to for comfort in a situation like this? Randy, I know what you're going to say. Mom's best friend? Oh, no, I knew that's what you were going to say. Yeah, yeah. No. That's where it's going. Randy, the good thing is there's there's no artificially good-looking older women in New York. Oh, that's a good point, Matthew. It's oh, good. that is a hotbed yeah. for that, right? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, coming up, if you'd like to weigh in on the Cardinals and where they are right now, we're still accepting your mic drops with the 101 ESPN app. Just go to the mic drop feature and tell us what you're thinking. More from Mo as well, coming up on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The Cardinals signing both Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson to one-year contracts plus an option for 2025. Brooke, Randy, and Matthew, 905. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And Brooke, one of the things I think we have to note here is that with the one-year options, if Graceffo and or McGreevy and or Connor Zerpe don't come along, some of the other young pitchers that the Cardinals have, that they expect to be good for them in 2025. If those guys don't turn out to be what they expect, those options are really valuable. If Lynn pitches well, Gibson pitches well, and the kids don't turn out like the Cardinals hope they will, then at least you have a little fallback. Not that they're hoping that they have to use the options, but you have the fallback just in case. Exactly. And that's something that Moselock mentioned in the press conference yesterday is that the young players may emerge and surprise us, but we don't want to end up doing and is saying that we're counting on X, Y, and Z and then end up being disappointed. He felt like they did that last season of hoping that certain players, young players, would emerge. I don't know if I'd put Dakota Hudson necessarily in that young player category because of his experience, but I think that he would also probably consider that. But I think they were expecting a lot of guys to step up last season in case of injuries or things not panning out, and they didn't work out that way. And so now you have two guys who are very well known for, one, their veteran presence and their reliability. Two guys that are innings eaters. I know that people are probably tired of hearing that at this point. My big concern, though, with both of them, I, w- I was fine with getting either or. Like, say that you got a Kyle Gibson or a Lance Lynn. I would completely understand that. That's perfect to have at the back end of your rotation one of those guys. But get- getting both of them, and both of them, 36 years old, does that concern you? It does, but here's what I hope is their thought process and what I thought when I heard that they had signed Gibson yesterday. You have to plan on on Stephen Matz being hurt. You have mm. to. Right? Because he has been the whole time. So now all of a sudden you have more backfill. 
in the event, likely event, that Steven Matz is hurt. What well, you can count on Michaelis now. I think he he's going to be there. But, but what do you see him slotting in as? Do you uh, see he, he's a three, four, five. Mm-hmm. But now, rather than Matz as a five, one of these guys fills in in a five. You still have to go have because I I think that Zach Thompson's in the rotation. But you still have to go get your number one. And one of the things that the Cardinals are hoping is that circumstance benefits these two pitchers as well. Lance Lynn allowed 44 home runs last year. League high, I don't know about guys allowing 44 home runs, but he did. But John Mozeliak thinks the ballpark will help him out. Well, obviously, uh, we think this ballpark will play better for him. Um, you know, he, he did give up a lot of home runs. So very well aware of that. Um, I think the other thing is, is he wants to show that he can be better than that. Um, I think Lance with a chip is a good Lance, and I think he's got a little chip on his shoulder. Now, Randy, you obviously got to know Lance Lynn really well. What is Lance Lynn like with a chip on his shoulder? He's he's crusty. He's great. He he's a protege of Chris Carpenter. He pitched with John Lackey. He's got that demeanor. He's highly competitive, and Mo said it right. Uh, uh, Lance with a chip on his shoulder is a good Lance. Now the question is. At this stage of his career, with all the pitches that he's thrown and all the starts that he's made, is Lance Lynn going to remain effective? Because, as we've heard once or twice, Father Time is undefeated. Yeah, I think we we have seen that mm-hmm. several times. Now, one of the other things about these two, with uh, their, their seasoned nature, shall we call it, is that something that was desperately lacking in last year's Cardinal Clubhouse will be on hand for the pitching staff, and that's leadership. Well, you need you need guys you can count on, but you need guys with experience. You need guys that can help younger guys understand what this is all about. Um, so I, I look at these guys as yes, they got to take the ball. Yes, they got to pitch deep in the games. But yes, they're also going to help some of our younger players. So I think they they check a lot of boxes for us. And look, the the these guys weren't going to be here tomorrow. So you know, if we waited too long, then. I just don't think we would have gotten the types of players we were looking for. The way we were approaching it is is we knew we need innings. And if we were just to go out and sign one good pitcher that was exciting, then where do we go to backfill? And some of the timing of, of this necessarily wouldn't go with us being patient. So to get two guys that you know almost collectively had an aggregate of 200 innings last year pitched, had we not acted on this this week they're probably not here tomorrow whereas some of the upper end pitchers are still out in the market now randy when you hear be patient i think Mm -hmm. that a lot of fans and rightfully so when they hear be patient you immediately start thinking back to when you last heard that right which was earlier this season where we heard Mosaic say, you guys just have to be patient. How many mm-hmm. times did we hear that at the beginning of the season? Hundreds. A lot. Too much. And so when you hear that the theme of the press conference yesterday is going to be be patient, which I understand that he also mentioned that this is just one of the first moves. This is not the finish line. And I would hope to God that it's not the finish line. And so I'm going to believe him in, in that aspect. But what do you think about the approach so far? Because I think that people were wanting to see a more aggressive approach this offseason. And I understand you have to check some boxes and you have to handle some of the other things, but I think people are wanting to see some bigger moves quicker. One thing I've said forever, and it ain't going to change, the Cardinals are run like a business with a budget, and they aren't going to blow out the budget. They aren't going to deviate from the budget to go get Yamamoto or Aaron Nola or Blake Snell 
They aren't going to blow out the budget for anybody. It's just not going to happen. So what the Cardinals need to do, and one disappointing aspect to yesterday is that Mo said that we haven't gotten deep into trade discussions. You had the general manager's meetings. You should have started. Uh, but you'd hope that the Cardinals would make a move for that number one quality guy at the winter meetings. They aren't going to sign a big-time, big-money free agent. It's just not going to happen. And I think that's something that we as a fan base, we're fans, we have to come to grips with. We aren't going to be the Padres. We aren't going to be the Mets. We aren't going to be the Yankees or the Dodgers. It's going to be a business that's run like our radio station, where there's an expectation that they're going to make some money. I would love... I would dearly love for 101 ESPN to increase their payroll to $200 million. <laughs> I would love it. But is it going to happen? No. And the Cardinals are the same way. By the way, uh, John Kioski just walked by. John yeah. Kioski, Tommy Matter. And if you do increase it to $200 million, can Brooke and I get like 50 each? Oh, that would be nice. Yeah. You know, just just a little bit of that. Yeah. But Randy, how do I not panic? And how do fans not panic right now? So with what you just mentioned, it mm-hmm. is 100% accurate. I understand that they're going in with a budget. I know that they're going to be very limited. They've made that clear mm-hmm. that they're going to be prudent with their spending this offseason. Yeah. How am I supposed to feel better about whatever move they're going to make? Because also he mentioned yesterday that they haven't looked that deep into the trade market. So what move will they make? That's the million-dollar question. And they might do stuff just to get them back to 81 wins rather than 91 or 95. And that's the troubling aspect of this. Is Depending on what they do with their coaching staff, he said they're going to add to the coaching staff, they might not be a great team in 2024. They might do things to get them back to around 500, give them a chance to be in a wild card hunt, get to those 84, I think Arizona had 84, get to those 84 wins to be in the wild card. That might be what we're living with. Let's get one quick mic drop from Connor here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Mo preaches patience, which is great. Last year in season, early season, he told us to be patient and there was a lot of season left. How'd that turn out? last place in the, the division. This year, he's preaching patience in the offseason. Okay, I understand that. It's early. The only way these two moves make sense is if you get a bona fide ace via trade or free agency. 100% right. 100%. Yes. You need, as we mentioned earlier in the show, you need that pitcher to be able to go against Zach Wheeler or Aaron Nola or Spencer Strider or when he comes back, Walker Bueller, you're against you, Darvish, uh, against even in your own division. Uh, Justin Steele has turned into a stud. Corbin Burns is a stud. Keller is a stud. I mean, the Cardinals don't have a number one to go against even the guys in their own division, let alone the rest of the National League. So, yeah. None of this makes any sense unless they get a number one. They need that. I mean, that's that's. there's still a lot of work left to do. And the thing that just concerns me where you're bringing up the spending, and also we know that they don't go out there and give kind of those long-term deals. Mm-hmm. So I would love for them to go out and get Yoshi Yamamoto. I know that there's a lot of connections. And this is, seems like if you are going to strike on a player like that, 25 years old, of course, he'll be looking for a longer-term deal. It seems like this would be the best opportunity to do so. He's also Nolan Arnato's agent. We know the connection with Lars Newbar. This would be the time to strike. But then after the comments yesterday, it sounds like it's something that they definitely will be looking into. But is it going to be another situation, Randy, where you think that, yes, they'll look into it, but it just won't get to them closing it out again? Their only real move is a trade. They aren't going to pay for the, the length uh, the term and the the price for Yamamoto, they aren't paying that. They aren't going to pay it for Blake Snell. There, but why not? The, because it's it a feel business, like that Brooke, this should the, the, be the chance to do this. That, that, because it's run like a business, and yeah. like Mo said, you can go build a pitching staff, or you can get one bright shiny object, but you can't have both. 
I don't like that though. I know. I, I just I wish that their approach. I think that after response, I was just hoping that there would be a different response this off season. Get, get it, don't get it in your head that they'll ever do anything different. So really quickly, playing that out, how do you give up a Nolan Gorman if you aren't willing in two years to give a Dylan Cease that deal? Like, are you are you willing to say? Yeah. We're going to give up that 40 home run potentially future to get this pitcher, even if you're not, because uh, Cease would be up for free agency after 2026. If you're not willing to say after he comes up, we're going to give him that big Oh, they, they signed their own guys, but they, they sign guys that they know, yeah. but they don't sign guys from the outside because they don't know them. But even that, their biggest one right now is what, five years, $100 million to Adam Wayne, right? That's the biggest pitcher. For pitcher, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, 98 and a half. 26 years old, Cease is going to be wanting seven years. Are they and going to be willing to give it to the even even when they have a guy in? Are they going to be willing to reach that puke point even at that point? Because it's going to depend on the circumstances. He's from the Atlanta area. Is Atlanta going to be interested in him, or do, are they happy with what they have with Strider and Elder? And th- those guys are going to be yeah. commanding big deals at the time. What's the Cardinals' economic situation at that point? It's impossible to. Who would have thought in twenty eighteen that we would have COVID? And that the landscape would change as much as it did. There's no way to project what 2026 will look like in Major League Baseball, especially with the Bally situation. The Bally situation, yeah. Is that? Do you think that's something that factors into? I know that we have to get to the break. Does that factor into any of these short-term deals that we are seeing with Lance Lynn and Gibson and how they're approaching things? No, because Bally is the the last team that they will not pay the rights fee for is the Cardinals. And if they pay it, then the Cardinals are in for 10 more years. Bally's not going anywhere with the Cardinals. So it, it is what it is. They aren't going to have the opportunity, the, the, the risk-reward thing, like Arizona, San Diego right now, they are actually able to have their own network and sell their own stuff. But apparently they're taking a bath financially because of Bally leaving them. But I think it would presumably be different for the Cardinals, you'd hope. But Right now, the Cardinals, what it says in the contract is what they're going to get from Bally. I would be absolutely stunned if there is a Bally if the Cardinals weren't the last man standing. Yeah, I agree. Somebody just texted in from 302. Randy is cranky this morning. He's speaking the truth, but oh so cranky. I like it. Happy well, Thanksgiving. Happy I Thanksgiving. think this is a fired up Randy, and I think that you are really embodying how a lot of people feel with their frustrations right now with the offseason. You know, it's a trite phrase that a lot of us don't like, but we have to live it. It is what it is. Yeah. You know, I have it an is. I have an it is what it is sign on my desk in the office. It is <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, coming up, Mizzou getting ready to take on Arkansas. We're going to talk to John Neighbors. Is it like Jake Neighbors? N e i g h b o u r s. Uh, it's Neighbors. N a b o r s. Oh, okay, like like uh, Gomer Pyle. Yeah. Okay, uh, John Neighbors talks uh, Arkansas football on the radio, and he joins us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Completely disregard the zoo. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. Because it, it goes back to the thing where... Arkansas is better than them, but they just don't win the game. You know, it's just like, you know, those years that Ole Miss beat Alabama back-to-back years. Was Ole Miss a better team than Alabama? Yeah. No. <laughs> they just, it just happened, you know, and that's what it feels like with Missouri. Like, Drinkwitz has not had a winning record. <laughs> 
That guy has not had a winning record. South Carolina just said the same thing yesterday. <laughs> it's like, yeah, like, like we lose it, but we shouldn't be. We yes. were the better team. Yes, and like, and, and you know, it's so that's where it's like it's. I'm putting it as if you put measure both teams on the field, talent wise, all yeah. that. Arkansas is a better team. They should win. That's Arkansas broadcaster John Neighbors with Brooke Grimsley. I'm Randy Carricker. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. And John Neighbors joins us now on the opening drive. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Well, other than trying to battle through some uh, congestion that I'm going through with the weather change, I'm doing all right. But how about y'all? We're doing good. John, first of all, uh, you and I worked around each other down in Arkansas covering the Razorbacks. And as we just played that sound there, now I know that there's always a big rivalry between Arkansas and Mizzou. Explain your thought process of what you were talking about there, because I know you got a lot of flack on social media for those comments. Yeah, it was basically like looking at the uh, past couple of years when Arkansas had lost to Missouri, it was a frustrating game because going into that game, most Razorback fans felt like they were a better team, a better, a more talented team, and felt like they should have won that game, but they didn't. And when they didn't win the game, that's when the frustrations really could boil over, and that's what's kind of made that game at times so frustrating. Even back dating to 2016, if you look at the end of the Brett Bielma era, what ended up being the beginning of the end was losing to an 0-7 Missouri team on the road when Arkansas had three SEC wins, about to get to eight wins, and they just didn't. So it was mainly just showing that even though Missouri wins the games, which I give them credit for. I'm not denying that. Razorback fans have felt like those were games, and more often than not that they should have won, but Missouri played a better game against them. No, I, I see what you're saying there. Now, John, I wanted to ask you about this season, your impression of Mizzou, because Eli Drinkwitz has definitely shocked a lot of people, and maybe not exactly shocked, but maybe surprised some people in the SEC with what he's been able to do with the Tigers this season. Yeah, I mean, you got to give him a lot of credit. He's been able to uh, put together a team that just finds ways to win. And I think even last week is a real indication of that, where I'm not trying to say it's luck, but it is a element to where every single team that has a successful year always, in some cases, has a ball bounce their way in a lot of games. And I think he's done a really good job of being able to find different ways to, whether it's defensively or offensively, make plays and, and get the wins. And so I think, you got to give him a lot of credit. I mean, nine wins this year has a possibility to get to 10 wins. And especially considering how this is his first winning season as Missouri's coach, uh, you know, he's, he's done a really good job. And so we'll see if he can uh, finish the job and get to that 10 win season on Friday. But yeah, you got to give him a lot of credit. John Neighbors from 1037 The Buzz in Arkansas. What did you think of the announcement that they're going to bring Sam Pittman back next year? Reaction because. You know, Sam Pittman is a likable guy. I think everybody can see that. But the problem is, is that Sam Pittman had nine wins two years ago, seven wins last year, and more than likely going to finish with four wins this year. And there's not really many coaches in the SEC and MSEC schools that can survive something like that, where you get worse in your three-year span. And so, especially in your fourth year. Now, Arkansas has had a lot of close games this year. They've had a lot of one-possession games that they lost. But it's no excuse. you got to get the dubs. you got to win the games. And I think Sam Pittman made a lot of mistakes as a head coach this year that they could have avoided. But uh, I get why they're trying to bring him back because they feel like they have enough going for getting guys out of the portal. And uh, they feel like he's going to make a really good hire at the offensive coordinator position. So they, they want to give him one more year, one more chance. But overall, nobody is really truly – pumped up and excited about next year 
because there's really, at least at this point in time, nothing to be too excited about. Hey, John, we kind of think that the Mizzou program this year kind of maxed out. Ten and two is like the best that Missouri can do. Or ordinarily, if they go nine and three, eight and four, fans are, are going to be pretty happy. There's a lot of self-awareness here about the program, which has never won a national championship. What do Arkansas fans expect of that program? Well, I think the majority of uh, you know sane fans, uh, logical fans, uh, believe that Arkansas should be a program that, one, never misses a bowl game. But two averages anywhere between six to eight wins on the year, but then every three, four, five years jump up to that nine to ten win range. And I think that like this year, for instance, is a great example of that. If Sam Pittman was seven and four right now, everybody would be fine. Even if he was six and five, I don't think everybody would be, you know, pumped, but they would be like, you know, hey, tough schedule, kind of where you're at. But Really, the expectation I think most Razorback Hat fans have is, hey, just be competitive, get to a bowl game at the minimum, and then every so often get to that 9-10 to 10 win range, maybe compete for something every so often, and people will be pretty happy and pretty satisfied. John, I think, personally, in my opinion, I think this has been a fun rivalry to have between Arkansas and Mizzou, but I still know that some fans don't fully buy into it. But this season feels a little bit different. One, I know the programs are at very different levels right now, but you also have Eli Drinkwitz, who's from Arkansas, with everything that he's been doing with Mizzou. Do you buy into that this is a big rivalry for the teams? I mean, me personally, I I don't think I ever can because of the horrible first impression that this rivalry, quote-unquote, became. Because it was such a forced thing where Arkansas played LSU at the end of the year, as we all know. And it had been going on for a couple of decades. And then suddenly when Missouri jumps into the conference, it says, okay, Arkansas, you're not playing LSU anymore at the end of the season. You get Missouri at the end of the year. And here you go. Here's a rivalry trophy. You're getting a rivalry game. And then here's a trophy. And then it's a sponsored trophy. And then we're going to call this a rivalry. It's like... Like, it's something that has to be built organically. And so because of the bad start that it got off to where it was just this forced marriage trying to force it to be a rivalry, I just won't be able to ever see it as an organic rivalry. It's like, no, it's more so of just the conference and people trying to force it into something that it's not instead of just letting it build organically. So I, I don't see it as a rivalry because if you ask Arkansas fans, hey, circle the game you want to win the most each and every year. Missouri is pretty far down on the list. And I I mean, I could be wrong, but I feel like it might be the same for Missouri, where they may not look at Arkansas as a team that they want to beat every single year. They probably want to beat other teams first, and then Arkansas may be further down the list. But again, I could be wrong about that. No, you're 100% right. And and it's it's all circumstance, John, because this year, with Mizzou having a chance to go to a New Year's Six Bowl game, this is a really big game. But it's not because it's Arkansas. It's because they're 9-2, and right? That's what we're looking at. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a it's a time where Arkansas can actually like one of the few times that they can play spoiler against Missouri. You know, it's kind of been the opposite a lot of times. Missouri uh, either didn't have a great year, and Arkansas was feeling themselves a little bit, and they played spoiler to the end of Arkansas's season. Might be the same way where Arkansas can finally do that to against Missouri, where Missouri's finally having a good season, and Arkansas's not, and uh, they're not going to a bowl game. So maybe they can you know, play a little bit spoiler and keep Missouri out of a New Year's Six bowl. So maybe this is, could be the start of something that could work out, but. I mean, who really knows what's going to play out uh, in the future of college football, much less this conference. Hey, one more last thing. What do you expect on Friday? I mean, I expect it to be a close game. Uh, I think uh, Arkansas wants this game a lot just because it's their, it's their, quote, bowl game. It's their final game of the season. It's senior night, and it's their, uh, you know, 
Dogs and at home and Sam Pittman being the coach next year and getting officially announced. I think that there's an element of he wants to go out on a high note and give race rec fans a good feeling of being able to, you know, get something, some positive going into the off season. But I believe, uh, I mean, Missouri's probably going to win. I mean, I'm not going to pick Arkansas to win. Missouri's a better team because, you know, I know that people love to play that clip, but I'm admitting that Missouri's a better team and that therefore they should win because I feel like if Arkansas wins this game, Missouri fans may feel similar to what I felt like where it's like, yeah, you should have won that game because you were the better team. So I think it'll be a close game, but I still think Missouri ends up getting the victory. John, great stuff. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving. You as well. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Take care. Uh, By the way, since Mizzou got into the SEC, the first game against Arkansas was 2014, and Missouri has lost twice and won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven and two for Mizzou (laughs) against Arkansas since entering Hmm. the SEC. Nine and four overall. How many should? What should should should. the record be, Randy? I think Mizzou should be 0 and 9 against them. I was going to say at least like 5 and 4. It's kind of like the expected goals thing, right? I mean, you could say. No, 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 no. I'm not allowing that. I'm not allowing that. We're allowing Jamie Rivers to sleep in a little bit. He joins us from Arizona next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Think St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Head out to the Valley of the Sun, where Jamie Rivers is standing by. Blues and Coyotes tonight. Then the Blues will come home right after the game for Thanksgiving. Uh, Rivs, good morning. How you doing? Good, guys. How you doing? We're doing outstanding. The Blues only one point ahead of Arizona. And Arizona, clearly better than they have been in years past. But should they be competitive with this edition of the Blues? Well, you know, Bill Armstrong, the GM of the Coyotes, what he's finally done is he's tried to create a competitive team. And it's not that it's been on Bill Armstrong. It's just the organization, as anybody knows, has been kind of in turmoil for many years, whether it's been ownership to whether they're, they have rank or not, to which they really don't right now. They're, they're playing out of the ASU rank and just lots of things to where they were tanking and Finally, Bill Armstrong has added some stability to this roster. He's added some really good veterans to this group. He's got some really good young players as well. So he's created more of a balanced team, something to where the young players can start to develop with other veteran players. So this team is its better than the Arizona Coyotes have been for a long time, uh, but certainly you know, not where anybody would like them to be. But it's a competitive team. It's a tough team. Rivs, from your personal standpoint, is there a better arena name in the league than Mullet Arena? <laughs> no. And Mullet Arena takes the cake. In fact, quite honestly, if I was the Coyotes, I would have had it mandated all of my players have mullets, specifically uh, now that we play on a Mullet Arena. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That was so funny. Jamie, you had a mullet back in the day, right? Well, uh, kind I of. Had, uh, Several versions of it. I did have the mullet going. I didn't quite have the Billy Ray Cyrus aching break the heart <laughs> mullet going. Um, but I did I did have the old Kentucky waterfall there for a little bit. Oh, <laughs> and it was glorious, by the way. It was glorious. 
That's amazing. Well, Jamie, I know that they're closing out their road trip tonight, but the West Coast portion of this road trip, what was your takeaway? Obviously, you didn't like what you saw, losing the Kings in that manner and the Sharks, and then you were able to come away with a win against the Ducks. I feel like we're still just trying to figure out which version of the Blues we should be believing right now. Well, I think they are too, quite honestly. You know, and this is this is the type of season that it could be for the Blues team is you're going to have pockets to where the wheels fall off a little bit. And, you know, what I think the difference is this year is I, I feel like the leadership group, and including the coaching staff, are on top of it. And, you know, it, it wasn't pretty in San Jose. It wasn't great in L.A. Those, those were two games where you just didn't start the game properly. You gave up you know, bundles of goals at a time, and nobody likes that. But then, you know, credit to the leadership, you turn it around quickly. And you do you play a much better game in Anaheim. The, the Blues team that played in Anaheim was much more the team that we, you know, have seen recently where they're good on the forecheck, strong defensively, taking away the blue line. All those things were present in Anaheim, and they weren't in the two games before that. And Look, to me, it's it's not always going to be a work of art this year. It's not going to be a dominant team for most for all the season. But all I the things that I like to see are that a team can rebound from what they're doing, and that the same things don't just keep presenting themselves over and over again. That shows me that it's a team that recognizes where they're you know they're deficient, and then recognizes that they have to play better, and that they change and do something different in order to win the hockey game. So I I like that part of it. Jamie, maybe I'm just putting too much stock into the power play here, but say if they do figure out things with the power play, maybe that could be the key to finding more consistent play for the Blues. Would that be fair? Oh, God, yes, Brooke. The power play has been, I mean, I don't care who you ask about it. There's no way you can put lipstick on the pig at this point (laughs) because it's just been not great, but... You're right. Honestly, like if power play is clicking at even an, an average pace, this team probably has two, maybe three more victories this year because there's been pivotal times where the power play has failed them to where, you know, it's made the difference in the game. So I'm right there with you. If this power play can figure it out to which, you know, they were working on it again yesterday and, you know, nobody's given up on it. That's for sure. There's too many talented players involved. But if this power play can get clicked, it could be a big difference. Seems like it's going to be easier to figure the power play out with Buchnevich in the lineup and playing the way he's capable of. Yeah, Pavel Buchnevich is great. You know, he's he's a two-way player, plays in all situations, and he's a guy you're going to need on your power play. In fact, you're going to need all these guys. One thing to remember this year is, you might also need guys that aren't your stereotypical power play guys. You might need them to be on the power play too. Last game, you know, in, in Anaheim, we saw at times Oscar Sundquist was out there. Jake Neighbors got a chance, and Jake Neighbors will be elevated in the lineup tonight. He's going to play with Braden Shen and Brandon Sodge for the game, so that's good to see. But you're going to see guys who, you know, are willing to get to the front of the net, willing to battle, willing to do little things, puck retrievals, all that stuff. Those guys are going to get an opportunity, too, until this Blues team figures out the power play to where they can compete on a regular basis. Rivs, not based on production or being a hockey player right now, but based on the skill set 
that you see from Jake Neighbors? Where does he slot in? Is he a top six guy, middle six guy? He's he's got the ability. Every everybody knows he's got the ability to be a fourth line guy. But what's his ultimate upside in terms of just the skill set that he has? If he achieves what yeah. he's capable of. Yeah, I think that on on a contending team, he's a middle six guy, and you know, I just think to put him on a top line, like you know, he's just not there for me yet, and he he may never be. That's fine. Not every player plays on the top line, mm-hmm. but I I do think with his ability, you know, he could play second, third line on a regular basis throughout his NHL career. You know, Jake Jake's got a, a great a great mind for the game. And he's a little bit of a throwback too, Randy, to where like, he's not afraid to get involved. He's got that old school mentality. He'll get to the front of the net. He'll get physical. But when you watch him out there, he handles the puck so smoothly and he makes passes. He can, obviously he can score goals. He's got goals in two straight games now. So I, I think he's somewhere, he's somewhere in that middle six on a competitive team. Well, enjoy the 77-degree sunny day <laughs> in Phoenix today. Uh, we've got, uh, let, let me, I can tell you what you're missing. Dreary. Yeah, 42 and dreary here, big brother. <laughs> well, Randy, I apologize. And if it makes you feel any better, uh, just the other day I was walking down Venice Beach and threw out a towel oh, on the beach and yeah. sat by the ocean and got a little bit of a tan, so I'm sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> well, you know what? Jamie. I, no, no, I wish you would have gotten a burn. <laughs> You're the best, brother. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Happy Thanksgiving, guys. Take care. Thank you. That is uh, our buddy Jamie Rivers, co-host of the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. And you'll see him tonight with John Kelly on Bally Sports for the Blues and the Coyotes. I mean, technically, I guess we could get a tan. We just have to go find a tanning bed That's to true. be able to yeah, experience yeah. that. I don't know. Uh, yeah, you'd have to wait out yeah, it, a while. It is not great here in St. Louis today, weather-wise. Also, if you're lucky enough to be Facebook friends with Jamie, you woke up this morning to a nice, uh, really good picture of Jamie's tan. So oh really? You, yeah, yeah. You, you posted a nice shirtless picture. It was on Instagram. Just showing off every, it was on Instagram too. So if you if you're lucky enough to follow Jamie, you know you can see how that tan's playing out. It was uh, a great message underneath. It wasn't it, it wasn't was. just like a selfie of a shirtless pic. It, it be, was a great message I'd underneath be totally there. Totally cool. Like he didn't even need the message. I just I, I thought the pic was nice. Oh, you like looking at that? I, yeah, I was okay with oh, it. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. There you go, Jamie. If Jamie's still Guy's listening, hard, Rock, Rock likes to check you out yeah. there. I follow Riffs. Yeah. Follow Anthony. Every once in a while, there's also going to be some sort of. What are you going to say? <laughs> what are you, Rock is worried about something. I follow BT. BT is very prolific on the Facebook. Yeah. And the mm-hmm. Twitter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Follow you, Brooke. Yeah, I'm there. I was going to say banana hammock, but that was that's what I was going to say. Oh, banana. <laughs> he did. He does. Thank you for. I'm going to make a gif out of that one. Just Brooke going banana hammock. I think Coming we, up, that's, uh, I'm just saying. We're going to head down the stretch of this week with a little edition of Rock and Roll here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Off. And I dropped a little piece of French silk pie on the table here, <laughs> on the counter. And Brooke said, you need a wet wipe? And I said, no, I just need somebody to have chocolate on their sleeve today. No. And Brooke came and cleaned it anyway. I, I did, because I have wet wipes. I mm-hmm. You can't leave food residue uh, over here, right? 
You're right. Okay. I mean, I mean, what if BK got it on his sleeve, or Alex? You know, they could just lick it off. Oh, okay. Kind of, you know, save it for later. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah. Oh wow. Well. Um, hope everybody has a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, Rock, what do you got for us? We didn't get to all our mic drops, so I had to get to this one. Janet broke it down in this mic drop. Thanks, Janet. Oh, no. Okay. Oh, no. Thanks, Janet. Chocolate pecan pie is called the Kentucky Derby pie, and it is wonderful. It's my favorite, too, Brooke. Yes. She was having a little, you and Janet on the same page. I love Janet and Lisa. And... You need to try it, Rock. I promise you it's life-changing. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that that's what it was called, but that is... You've had it, Randy, right? You yes, know what I'm talking uh-huh. about. It is so good. Yeah. That is We can buy it. See, uh, check out... Uh, send us a text. 314-399-YO-HO. Text best chocolate pecan pie in St. Louis. Go. Ooh. Yeah, I'd, I'd happily try it. Here's the thing. I, I openly admit that I'm one of my biggest flaws is that I'm a, I'm a picky eater, but I try to try things. Mm-hmm. And I don't like them. I just kind of look at people and be like, listen, like I'm, I'm not making a conscious decision not to enjoy this. Yeah. It's just I don't like it, which I don't, I don't think you should hurt. You should knock people for all the time. Oh, come on, Rock. Come on. And somebody said earlier, did you text us in? Was this your, like, your secret burner account? Somebody said uh, when we brought up Rock's certain takes, like how he doesn't like kids, how he doesn't like dogs, also how he doesn't true. toast his Pop-Tarts. That, that somebody said true. you toast it's, your Pop-Tarts? Pop-Tarts yes, it, or it tells you that you can toast your Pop-Tarts. You yeah. can also freeze them. You can also just eat them. Like you can just open, the, you can just open the wrapper and just warm. eat them. They're better warm. I promise I think some you. some of the flavors don't toast your Pop-Tart, who hurt you? Here's my thing. I can I can accept the fact that the s'mores pop tart better toast it. I should have been toasting those from the get go. I only really <laughs> ate those in college. I didn't have a toaster in college, so I wasn't okay. gonna toast them. Lou Owl and Kimswick get some props as a uh, oh. chocolate pecan pie. But you're telling me that frosted strawberry tastes better toasted than not. Like the, this, the flavor yes. frosted strawberry pop tarts. Yes. Oh yeah, it is. You, you'd be sh- shocked. Hundred percent. Yep. You, you've Fair enough. missed now out. Put it on the. Uh, I've had pop tarts okay, heated up before. Do you but have you a, said that you didn't want to do it. Yeah, I let's start with the basics here. Do you even have a toaster in the house? Uh, my current house, uh, we do not have a slot toaster. Oh, okay, no. there you go. Because uh, I have like six different settings on my toaster. It's a double toaster, so it four slices at once. Nice, but. I put it on level one, so it's it's not toasted like toasted. It's just toasted to warm up. Is that the way you do it, Brooke? Yes. I, the, I just want to say I never said I, I like you shouldn't toast your pop tarts. All I said was that the majority of my childhood, I would just grab pop tarts on my way out the door and go, and then eat them in the car. I wouldn't mm-hmm. take. The, I wouldn't unwrap them, toast them, you know, throw them with a plate and all that stuff. Okay, guys, I have a weird tradition. Just, yeah, and I need you to think about this if you have any weird traditions. Okay. When I was in college, there was a great place for Mexican here in St. Louis, 24-7 uh, Mexican place called Noggles. And one time I was working at KCLC at Lindenwood, got off the air in the morning and hadn't had breakfast and went to Noggles for a breakfast, got a breakfast burrito, didn't go necessarily for a breakfast burrito, but got a breakfast burrito on Thanksgiving. And every year since, for the last 40 years, I've had breakfast burritos awesome. for Thanksgiving. Do you have any weird traditions that just popped up like that? Or are you hoping that you develop anything like that? I would like to create one. So maybe if somebody can give me a suggestion of what maybe they do. I like yours, Randy. Now, I personally starve myself before I eat Thanksgiving. I don't know if that's healthy. Maybe it's called intermittent fasting. I know that that's all the rage, right? Where we've kind of pretended that that's, you know, a new diet thing that you could do. Um, I just starve myself. That's a lot of food in a day. But if somebody else has a really good tradition that maybe David and I 
I can create for our Thanksgiving, I will gladly steal your family tradition. There you it's go. It's a good one. And somebody Do you have in, one, Rock? It, it was the Macho oh. Meat Burrito. Somebody is well aware of Noggles from the uh, 618. Thank you very much for indulging me. Man, Noggles was good. No, and there's some people who, now another tradition, some people do like the turkey trots. How do you feel about that, Randy? Getting up before Thanksgiving and running. Don't run. You know what? There have been some nice Thanksgivings, and for a long time, uh, DJ and I did, the, the yeah. late, great Demetrius Johnson, mm-hmm. uh, and I did the Turkey Day game. We did it 15 years. But uh, in the last eight or so years, there have been a couple of nice mornings where I've just gone out and played a quick nine on Thanksgiving Day. Oh, yeah, it's been nice enough. Go. Tomorrow will not be nice enough, I don't think. No. But you put the turkey in because it takes four hours to do the turkey. Put the turkey in, go play a quick nine, come back, and then eat eat later. So that's a fun tradition. Uh, so uh, there's we, we've got some great ones. White Castle's on Thanksgiving. Spaghetti Wednesday on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. That's very cool. Uh <laughs> Does anybody else, by the way, uh, you you mentioned the turkey trot. Does anybody else run on Thanksgiving morning? Um, no. I, like I said, I just starve myself. Go on like a full fast so uh-huh. I can prepare. That's a, that's a good tradition. Speaking of stealing tradition, I'm, I, I, I've stolen, shouts to the Jewish community for this one, uh, Chinese food in a, in a movie on Christmas. Uh-huh. I do that now. <laughs> and it's, it's a, I mean... Y'all hit it out you of the park with that one. No, on Christmas. Oh, on Christmas. Uh, yeah, yes. hit it out of the park. Chinese on that one. is the only thing that's open. In movie theaters yes. are still yeah, open. Right. And my God, did the community hit it out of the park on oh, that combo? Time. God, yes. fantastic stuff there. Brooke, one final one from the three one four. We have breakfast for dinner the night before Thanksgiving every year. <laughs> oh, I love that idea. I love that idea. Yeah, I love that idea. So enthusiastic. I love it. Say with your eyes. Great job today by our. Producer, audio, video engineer, Matthew Rocchio. Thank you. <laughs> Pleasure. She did not say it with her eyes. No, Love she it. didn't. There it is. Uh, How about that? How about that? I didn't, even get, to ask you didn't, to I didn't even get to ask you if you had fun. <laughs> I did. Happy yes. Thanksgiving. It's your first Thanksgiving with the opening drive. Are you thankful? I am very thankful. I'm very thankful that I was able to get this job and that you guys allow me to do this. Um, this has been such a great experience so far, and hopefully I'll be able to stick around. We're just getting started. Yes. And uh, we miss our friend and co-host Kerry Davis today. He'll be on vacation, be back with us on Tuesday. For all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting, and being a part of the show. We're going to have best ofs the next couple of days. So until Monday morning, have a great Thanksgiving and weekend, everyone. And now for something completely different. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.